And welcome, everyone, to another episode of The Kuehl Show. I am your host today, the insider of the insiders, Tyler Kuehl, saying thank you once again for tuning in this awesome and amazing episode here on 12 Ounce Sports. Oh, we were we were scrambling to get this one going here tonight, guys. I'll get to more of that in just a little bit. But before we get to all me complaining, because I'm really, really good at that, as you guys all know, let's thank the people that are able to make this possible today here at 12 Ounce Sports. Whether you're watching us, of course, whether you're on YouTube, whether you're on the Facebook, whether you're on Twitter, Zingo TV, Channel 761, if you ever want to use that, make sure you use the promo code 12 ounce. That's the number one, the number two, the letter O, or the letter Z or Z for your proper improper English users to go on there and watch us on the big screen on 12 ounce sports. Also, we got to make sure we thank our awesome sponsors today, as always. MyBookie.ag, as I just whack the heck out of my microphone as I point down there to the bottom of the screen. Be sure to go check them out. They are awesome if you want to get involved with sports betting because that is legal in the state of Michigan now because, you know, because why not try to, you know, make something out of, you know, getting paid a little bit, right? Get some money out of it. You know, if you're going to go out and gamble for sports, obviously football is done, but hockey's still going on and you still have basketball and believe it or not, folks, baseball's right around the corner. Well, pardon me. It's supposed to be right around the corner. We don't know for sure yet because, well, that could obviously change in you know, in a few months, thanks to this lovely thing called the pandemic. It's a great and awesome thing that is completely just ran through everyone. However, it's starting to clear up a little bit. By that, I mean things are starting to open up and vaccines are slowly, and I mean slowly, getting pushed out. But mybookie.ag, go on there, use the promo code 12OUNCESPORTS to sign up for free, win and get paid on mybookie.ag. Up in the corner, as always, is our awesome friends at Second String Leather Company, secondstringleather.com. Go on there. The Valentine's Day sale may be still going on, as far as I know. We can get awesome deals. I know they had a great sale before Valentine's Day. Carrying on through there, cheap wallets, cheap, pardon me, cheap prices on their wallets. There are a bunch of awesome sales on right now at secondstringleather.com. Go check that out. Second String Leather Company, hashtag crafted from the crease. Crafted from the crease. <sighs> Man, it's it's been it's been interesting. I think these core this my headset is timing out these beats. I may have to get new batteries in them because they're just timing out a little bit. I don't know what's the problem with them. But regardless, I'm trying to hear I like to hear myself. That's why I put these on. As you guys know, it's why I do the podcast. I like to yell and scream and hear myself talking stuff. No, I'm kidding. But Obviously, a lot to get to today, but also, you know, if you ever want to, like, look the part, you know, you see this awesome shirt that I'm wearing, you can get your awesome TKS swag at teespring.com slash store slash the dash cool dash show, where you can get your awesome official TKS merchandise. They're on teespring.com slash store slash the cool show with dashes in between the and cool and show. Because, you know, I, I like this shirt. It's a pretty cool shirt. I have my sweater that I was wearing when I was walking the dog today. If you follow the Kula Show on Instagram, you probably saw me last week walking the pupper in my awesome TKS red hoodie. You can also get your regular crew neck sweaters and all that other stuff on teespring.com. Sorry, I take a sip of coffee there. We were running around because we were having some, well, A, I had to reset this whole thing up because the reason why is because I use this mixer for more than just this show. I also use it for my broadcast, my play-by-play work. And let me tell you guys, five games in three days, I don't think I've ever been happier. (laughs) 
I mean, at least for the last probably seven or eight months, because as hockey started to come back, there's a lot of people that I know that were, excuse me, that were working and were, you know, getting back into it myself. I was just like, that'll be me one day, right? That'll be me sometime getting the, the chance to get out there and call some hockey again, because I like calling hockey. It's fun. It's entertaining. And I can do it for the most part without getting yelled at and screamed at. Typically, I get yelled at if I ever say a player's name wrong, but I try to avoid that as much as possible. But regardless, I was able to start doing that just a little bit. So I fixed my mic a little here. And so I had to set this up, and we had the dog running around, and Kelly's off hanging out with some friends, and I'm just like, okay, I got this. I can multitask. I can prove that I can adult. And we were able to pull it off today. Got a lot to get to, though, today here on the Kuehl Show. In hour two, hour two, hour two at the bottom of the second hour at 7.30, we're going to have Peyton Turnage, our awesome play-by-play man for the Alabama Huntsville Chargers and member of Penalty Box Radio. He'll be coming on and talk about A-U-A-H, A-U-A-H, no, A-Alabama Huntsville. Also, we'll be chatting about the Nashville Predators. That'll be at 7.30. Also, at the bottom of the hour, a very unique and fun interview we're going to have here with Andrew Buchanan. Now, the name obviously doesn't maybe not stick out for some of you, but he was involved in the world's longest hockey game. They just set the world record this morning. They played for 252 hours up in Alberta where it was biting cold, but it was for a good cause for the Cure Cancer Foundation. We'll get to more of that when we talk to him at the bottom of the first hour here, so in just about uh, 20 minutes and change. We'll get to all that and more here on the Kula Show. We'll be talking about the new general manager and president of Hockey Ops over in Pittsburgh in Steeltown. Big news coming out of there. Also, we'll be talking about a little bit about Columbus if we have time. Won't get to a college hockey scoreboard today. I do apologize. It was a really busy weekend. Wasn't able to catch up with all the action. Saw a couple of the highlights, though. Because of course, we're talking with Minnesota State or about Minnesota State when we talk with Peyton Turnage because that's who the Chargers just played. Talking about Dryden McKay. Now second all-time in shutouts in NCAA Division I hockey history. We'll also have a chat with, or we'll also be chatting about uh, Wisconsin a little bit. But I saw Cole Caulfield's sick goal against Michigan as Wisconsin has really flexed their muscle as a team to be reckoned with in the Big Ten. Boston and Boston College are still looking good in Hockey East. The NCHC is still wild as ever. There is a lot to get excited about in college hockey. Just this week, I wasn't able to get to all that. won't be able to get the full breakdown. I do apologize. But like I said, we got two great interviews coming up here in just a little bit here on today's show on 12 ounce sports. But of course, you know, if you're not going to be able to watch the entire show today, say you'll be able to watch the first hour and then you have to go off and do something with your friends or, you know, maybe you actually have to work and all that. I mean, that that's always a great possibility as well. I, and I understand that people are busy. I'm busy. Well, sometimes the wife's always busy. Of course, then the wife never really wants to well, listen or watch me anyways because she hears me enough as it is here on 12 ounce sports but like i said if you don't if you can't watch all that's fine go on the keel show youtube channel just like it, the one you're rating right there see that title at the bottom it just spelled just like that go on there search us subscribe to us make sure you always catch the replays that always comes up the day after the live show also on your favorite podcatcher whether you listen to it on spotify whether you listen to it on iHeartRadio, whether you're on google apple Podcasts. Tune in radio. We're not on that Amazon Audible thing. At least I don't think so. I'm not quite sure now I think about it. I we we submitted our form for it, so I think we're on it, but I don't think we are at the same time because I would think I would have gotten a notification saying, Hey, you're on our network now. 
Now, sometimes that doesn't happen, and I, I understand that. However, we're everywhere on your favorite podcatcher if you just want to listen to us and listen to us piece by piece because you don't have to watch us all the time, and I get it because you can only stand so much in my face, but then you don't get to see me just go lose bananas and throw my coffee mug at the wall. Actually, I haven't done that yet. Thankfully, I haven't done that yet because thankfully this week we actually had a suspension that was handed out, so it's not like I have to yell and scream about the player sa- Angel Department of Player Safety doing nothing this time except, you know, they did something, but it took them this long to do it. But regardless, we'll get to that later on. We have a trade in Ottawa, which, by the way, we'll probably try to get the Ottawa-Toronto game up on the screen here when it starts here at the top of the second hour of today's show. However, we've been having issues getting the stream from our good friends in Toronto, so we may not. We may actually have to watch, I believe, Buffalo and New York Islanders are playing on NBC Sports. We may get that game, and you'll get live reactions to that game instead. We have a couple of uh, folks that we actually had a question today before we get to all the other stuff. Actually, no, we'll get to the fan question here in just a second. Ask TKS. Also, if you ever have a question yourself, use the hashtag Ask TKS on Twitter or just jump in the chat on the YouTube channel. Make sure you let us know what you think and have it. If you have any questions, we'll be glad to answer them. But I want to start off this week. And the reason I want to start it off quickly here and not go too much far, too far into it is because one of those things where it happened, I think, Tuesday. Wednesday. No, it happened Wednesday. So it's been a few days since it's happened. But I want to discuss the the mass firing for Bell Media. Just quickly on it. I so at, at first glance, so let me just give you the breakdown of what happened. If you don't remember, TSN twelve ninety. Let me quickly get my notes here, make sure I got the right stations here. TSN twelve ninety in Winnipeg, eleven fifty in Hamilton, and TSN ten forty in Vancouver. All of them shut down. Dan O'Toole of Jay and Dan, Jay Onright and Dan O'Toole the, at night on SportsCenter and TSN. Dan O'Toole's gone. Natasha Stanisowski, holy cow, I can't say her last name. I still can't say her last name. And Brent Wallace, among others, fired. There's, I believe, 200 to 300 employees fired. Let go. Gone. Done. And so, and I, and I work in radio, okay? I don't... And don't say, oh, Tyler, you're so naive, or what were you born yesterday, whatever. That's how the business works, where people can just get let go. I don't believe that. On a basis of why a week after, a little over a week after, Bell Let's Talk Day, the day that we love so much, like we talk about on this show, we're not even Canadian, we're not even in Canada, but we talk about Bell Let's Talk Day, because it's arguably one of the biggest mass fundraisers for mental health awareness. That's why we talked about it. We talked about it on the show. We talked about, we did the special video with Kelly, my wife, who's been battling mental illness her entire life. And that's why we get involved, because there's a company out there, and even Sportsnet, people from Rogers, Rogers and Bell, that is literally the apples to oranges, Coke to Pepsi battle of telecommunications in Canada. Even Rogers was like, we're with you. Hashtag Bell Let's Talk Day. And then 10 days later, everyone gets fired. All these people get canned. I don't care if it's part of the industry. It's part of the business. And I, all the people that try to take it in stride, kudos to them because I wouldn't have been able to. I get it. Money, budgets are tight right now. And the fact that I was able to get a job during the pandemic, that in itself is a shocker. But when you just completely wipe out all of these hardworking people, 
just because of a few dollars when you could easily try to figure it out, figure out a different way in a more humane way, a morally comp- morally sound way to do it. But you choose not to just to try, just cut all the money and just make sure the shareholders are okay. That I have a problem with. All these good people, hardworking people, yes, I get it. TSN may not be as big in some markets. Sportsnet 650 in Vancouver may be the bigger market. I get that. But my goodness, in T- TSN, that is, in Winnipeg, 1290, that's the Jets. <laughs> that's the Jets radio station. Hamilton, I know. Hamilton's a, a second market to Toronto. I understand that. But that's the Tie Cats, Hamilton Tiger Cats, probably one of the biggest fan bases outside of maybe the Saskatchewan Rough Riders in the CFL. I'm just, there's better ways to do it. And the, it's part of the industry. It's part of our business. I, that I don't believe when you're laying off maybe four or five people at a time. That's one thing I get that. Okay. Trust me. I worked at a radio station. I was there when they fired four people in one day. Got, I mean, we pretty much eliminated our sports staff and whatnot at our station, but four or five people. That was it. Not hundreds of people where you're just wrecking people in Mark. And I just, that's the part where I don't get it. That's my, that's my two cents on it. I'm going to leave it at that. There's been a lot of other people talking about it since then, but I didn't, I haven't had the chance yet to come out and say it. I've obviously, you know, mentioned it on Twitter and, you know, commented towards a few other people. And just, I, I, I don't understand it, but then again, what do I know? I'm just a naive 25 year old that is just gun ho, happy, happy, happy all the time. Right? Exactly. I'm Mr. Happy here on the Kula Show. So with that, let's get into some actual hockey talk here and instead of me complaining the entire time. So we had a listener question coming from Alan Sato. Sato? Sato. I'm going to say Sato for this sake. Uh, hopefully he corrects me here. At Half Creative on Twitter says, So we're cool with continuing this game despite 2 million people, with, or despite 2 million people, 2 million residents without power, traffic lights without power. And from what I got, because he didn't quite specify where he's from, I was presuming that this had to do with the Vegas Golden Knights because I saw a lot of Vegas tweets in there and they are playing tomorrow night. They played yesterday against Colorado, 1-1-0. Great game by Marc-Andre Fleury. We'll get to that in just a minute. They play tomorrow in Vegas again at 10 o'clock. Now, I believe... That's what he's talking about. Because I went, I checked on his Twitter profile. A lot of stuff about Vegas, no power in Vegas. Um, pretty much it's all I got out of it. So not a whole lot. But there's I mean, there's a lot of people right now without power. Weather right now going across the entire United States, North America for that matter, has been, it's just been horrendous. Northeast storms, Texas, you know, big wrecks that I believe, I don't remember what the total that total was, but the big wreck down to the highway down there because it's just black ice. I saw a video of a car in the suburbs of Nashville that was backing out of his driveway. All of a sudden, couldn't start spinning his tires on his residential street. And he was living on a hill. And the next thing you know, you just see his car just start sliding sideways down the street. And then it goes off. It was a security camera from a house. And then you just, you don't see it anymore. So you're almost like, oh, well, that could be bad news if, you know, if a car just starts sliding. Somehow it was going straight, like it wasn't hitting mailboxes, at least on the footage that was there. 
So I get it. There's a lot of people. And I was talking to Peyton Turnage today, who, like I said, we'll talk to at around 7.30 tonight. He was like, oh, yeah, well, I'll, I'll have to come on tonight as long as I don't lose power. And I'm like, really? He's like, yeah. I'm like, we may lose power down here. I know there was a big problem in Texas. They had to shut down one of the biggest oil refineries down there. There's a lot of problems out in the plains, I know. As far as I know, not as much going on in the Northwest. I know there's snow up in the Northwest. In Oregon, I saw the the cute little... I saw the TikTok. I don't have TikTok, but someone posted the, twi- the TikTok to Twitter of the animals playing in the snow. That was pretty cute. But a lot of ice that it's causing power outages. So knock on wood, we're still going right now. If that light goes out, the camera will stay on. My laptop will stay on. We'll stay stream. Actually, no, we may lose Wi-Fi. We'll lose the Wi-Fi eventually. So you'll know when we lose power here in Michigan. As of right now, it's just blinding. Well, not blinding snow. It's just very windy outside right now. Temperatures, I believe, are in the wind chill in the single digits. But when we talked to our first guest today, Andrew Buchanan, I can tell you right now, he's going to have no sympathies for how cold it is in Michigan or any further south because up there in northern Alberta, pretty bad so like i said we'll get to that we talked to him a little bit later on but you know i the thing is if if sato is recurring to the vegas golden knights game possibly tomorrow night my thing is this if they're gonna play if they have power at t-mobile arena or any arena we'll just go we'll go broad here i would understand that because a vegas isn't having any fans at their games i know places like dallas is Obviously, though, you can just tell people to stay home if the teams are already there. That's why Colorado can play in Vegas tomorrow night because they're already there. Obviously, they'll make sure they have plenty of time to travel and whatnot and make sure they follow all the protocols to get there. But it's easier to pull that off than trying to risk having fans go to a game, especially when the conditions in some parts of the country are completely undrivable. And where people are like, oh, my gosh, but how can you you just salt the roads and Texas or whatever. Don't forget Texas and Carolinas and Florida and whatnot. They don't have snow ever. So if it ever does snow, if it ever does get icy, you shut down the state because they don't have any road commission to at least to clean it up, to actually take care of that stuff. They don't have plows. They don't have salt trucks. They don't have massive Congo lines. Like it is the 401 in Toronto that just has them drive down the highway. One truck after another, after another, just pushing the snow off the bank and it's cleared in, you know, two minutes. It's not the case down in the south, down there in the dirt of south. So I would see why, because if the team's already there traveling, not any problems, absolutely. I know some people that had to have their flights canceled because they couldn't fly to their destination because the runways were just covered in ice. Now, I would know, I would like to know if they have at these airports down south, if they have some form of, you know, salt or some ice removal machines to actually clean off these runways in Texas, you know, down at, uh, what's the one down there? There's, uh, not Loveland. I, I forget the one that I was going to fly into last year for nationals. Cause the Southwest has like their own down there. I forget which one it is, but regardless, there was going to be, there's gotta be some way for them to do that. Unless they're just going to stop all travel together, which I guess, you know, if you're shutting the state down, why not shut the airports down? So that is your question from Alan Sato. Make sure if you have any more questions, jump in the YouTube chat or hashtag AskTKS. Quickly here, because we only got about less than 10 minutes before we get to Andrew Buchanan, Ron Hextall hired as the new general manager for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Now, remember we talked to 
Hooks Orpic from Pennsburg just a couple weeks ago, shortly after Jim Rutherford up and left the Penguins. And we discussed, you know, what are they going to do from here? What's the team got to do? All that sort of thing. I would try to get him on this week. Unfortunately, just scheduling and whatnot. And the fact that we have already have two guests today, wasn't going to be able to help that. So we'll try to talk to him a little bit later on down the line about it. But obviously, big move if you're the Pittsburgh Penguins, because now you have a general manager and you also got a president of hockey operations in Brian Burke, a position that he's held before. Brian Burke, who has been at Sportsnet for the last three years, going back into the front office. And looking at it quickly from the Ron Hextall side of things, this is great. You get a guy that's experienced, a guy that pretty much put together the Philadelphia Flyers the way they are now. He was a guy that helped set up the system to develop Carter Hart, you know, brought guys along like Provorov and got guys like Konechny kind of accumulated to the NHL level or assimilated or whatever the right word is. I couldn't come up with the right word all of a sudden because I haven't drank enough of my coffee yet today, my second cup of coffee. But I, I like this move because you get a guy in there that's not afraid to ruffle some feathers. Now, him and Berkey have both come out and said that they're just going to kind of wait to see what they got. They're not going to press right away. They're not going to start trading people left and right until they know what they have. This may be a thing where they just wait out the rest of the season, see how it plays out, see how the team looks, and then go off into the summer. I, of course, I listened to many interviews with Brian Burke because he was on a lot of Sportsnet uh, doing like a farewell tour, if you will. Uh, I know he was on To The Point on Hockey Night in Canada on Saturday, and he took the tie off and he draped it around his shoulders like he always did when he was general manager with the Leafs or president of Hockey Ops with Calgary. So he went back to his old Berkey ways, if you will, before going into television. And I'll be honest, from a from a media side of things, it's a bummer that we're that Sportsnet lost Berkey. I listen to Hockey Central just about every day. I listen to all of his. Ta- I see his takes on Tim and Sid. Of course, I watch, you know, Wednesday Night Hockey on Sportsnet and you know Hockey Night in Canada. So I get to hear his points all the time, and and it's a, it's a bummer because he always brought a different kind of insight. And I remember when he first joined Sportsnet, it seemed I remember I I penned him as the a not a Don Cherry wannabe, but Don Cherry's replacement when that day was going to come. So when Don Cherry was fired from Hockey Night in Canada from CBC, he took over the first intermission. I'm like, see, there it is, just like I predicted. But he ended up doing a really good job. He brought in the wealth of experience from being being on the management side. He did tell a lot of stories when he was on the air, but that's just because that come from his experience. He used his experience to be a good analyst. So it's a bummer that Sportsnet lost him because I loved listening to him. I loved watching him. Now we get to see him without his tie now again, and we get to see him now with the Pittsburgh Penguins. What does this mean for Pittsburgh? I don't know. Because he's, you know, they both said they both talked to Crosby because the, the inclination that they would ever trade Sidney Crosby is, the word shocking is probably not good here, but it'd be dumb, right? Why would you ever want to get rid of your franchise's second best player? Mario's the best, okay? I still think Mario, outside of maybe Bobby Orr, is probably the best player in the game. I get it, Wayne Gretzky is the great one, but I say I still have the I don't I if I ever met Wayne, I don't know how I'd say it to him, but he's the greatest statistical player of all time. If you wanted me to pick a purely gifted player, it'd either be Mario or Bobby Orr. So that's why I'm saying Crosby's the second best player in his franchise's history. Back to the current Penguins, as long as 87's on the roster, this team's got to go for it, right? 
get to the playoffs, simply just make the playoffs. Now, I know last year doesn't, I don't know if it technically counts as a playoff berth, but it is a postseason berth. So they're continuing that streak in Pittsburgh. And, you know, I don't, I don't know if, if Pittsburgh, I just made that, by the way, in the trash can. I just, sorry, for all those that are listening to the podcast, I just had a Kleenex I just had to throw into the trash, and I actually drained it. Raptors should call me up because, boy, do they need help. They just lost to Minnesota last night, so, hey! But there's no way you're not going to try. Now, yes, you may see Malkin get moved. Gensel may get moved. They may have to make a move for a goaltender because I don't know if Tristan Jari, despite playing a decent game yesterday, you know, I don't know if he can be your long-term starter. Casey DeSmith can play in the NHL, but he's nowhere near being a guy that can play a 1B role. That is a Casey DeSmith is a straight number two backup. No, no disrespect to him. Great AHL goaltender, but he's a backup. He's not going to be the guy that's going to steal you games. You know, in a normal 82 games, he's not going to be able to play 40 games for you. He's a guy that plays 20 to 25 with a guy that just needs the rest off of a back-to-back or maybe give him a night off during the week, give him some rest, give him a week off or whatever. He's not going to be a guy that's going to consistently play and be worthwhile in the NHL. Well, Casey to Smith, Tristan Jari, he's like I said, he's the 1B goaltender. That's what we saw last year with him and Matt Murray. That's the reason why Pittsburgh was so successful. But now you have Jari being the 1A, and so far it's worked against Washington, but it hasn't been as dominant and has not been as effective as I'm sure people in Pittsburgh would want it to be. So like I said, this year, we may not see a whole lot of movement just because of the fact, or at least from Hextall and Berkey, because it's hard to make a move if you're not quite sure yet. As of right now, Pittsburgh, by the way, is fifth in the Eastern Division. They are tied, though, with the Islanders and Capitals all in points. However, since they have more losses, they are fifth. Islanders are 6-4-3. Capitals are also 6-4-3 in their... 13 games played. All of them have played 13 games. The only teams that have not played 13 games are Buffalo and New Jersey. New Jersey is supposedly practicing starting today. So because they've been under COVID protocol for so long. So we'll see. I mean, New Jersey's not that much better anyways. I mean, they technically do have a winning record, though. They are 4-3-2. and I don't know if that's going to mean anything later on, but we'll just have to wait and see. Buffalo currently last in the division because they have more losses than New Jersey. Like I said, they got the Islanders tonight on NBC Sports. Maybe, like I said, maybe we'll have that game on the big screen. But for now, folks, we will take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk with Andrew Buchanan. He was a goaltender in the world's longest game. It was played up in Alberta under freezing cold temperatures. Pucks were breaking left and right. It was a, it was crazy. It was a crazy event. We'll talk to him about it and why it was such a big deal and why it was such a for a good cause. We'll be back with more of the Kula Show right after this. And welcome back, everyone, inside the amazing office here at TKS Studios here for the Kuehl Show here on 12 Ounce Sports. Now, if you guys probably didn't hear about this, over the past week and change, there has been an awesome hockey event going up around northern Alberta. It was it was something that came across my mind because I'd heard about it before, but I wasn't quite sure on exactly what it was. I didn't know a whole lot about it. It was called the World's Longest Game. It was a hockey game, and it obviously was the namesake. It was going to go for the longest game ever. 
252 hours of consecutive hockey. Now, yes, there was Zambonis involved because you can't play on hockey on ice for 11 days straight. But what was it like to be in the event? And what made the event so special? That's what we're going to find out right now. As I'm joined now by one of the guys that played goal in the tournament for Team Hope in the world's longest game. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, Andrew Buchanan. Andrew, how are we doing today? Oh, not too bad. Thanks for having me. It's an honor to be on the show. Andrew, you told me that you just got back home not too long ago because the game ended this morning after 252 hours. First, you know, just quickly uh, looking back, what was it like playing in this event? You know what, looking back now, uh, while we were in the event, it seemed like it was going to go on forever. But now that I'm back home and, you know, back to reality, it seems like it was just a blur. So uh, playing in this event was, uh, you know, an absolute emotional roller coaster. It, uh, you know, we were on the ice for, you know, 252 consecutive hours to beat the Guinness World Record in hopes to raise uh, $1.5 million for a brand new cancer drug that's going into clinical trial here in Edmonton. And if successful, it's going to go around the world. So, uh, to be part of you know such a special event with such an amazing group of in- individuals was uh, something I've never experienced before. We basically put 40 strangers into a room, and within days we were best friends. So uh, you don't see that too often in life for special circumstances like that. So uh, uh, made friendships for uh, for life now, and uh, yeah, it's an incredible event. And a lot of people doubted us. Uh, we were getting severe weather warnings saying you guys are absolutely insane. You should not be out on the ice right now. And that's you know severe frostbite can. The crew was in five to ten minutes even out there, but most of us were doing ten to twelve hour shifts, so we just kept battling. It it's incredible to look back look at it because you you know, people were able to watch the footage on the YouTube on the YouTube channel, watch some of the game, kind of like a what we call down and say it's it's like a live barn scenario where it's kind of just like a screen with like each zone, if you will. But and it's funny because you watch the first game and then or the start of the game, the first hour or so, and then you watch like the last little bit. Two completely different hockey games because you saw everyone's got all the jump in the world for the first hour, Andrew. And then all of a sudden, by the end, it's like, okay, this has been a long shift. I mean, was it kind of, I mean, what point of the of the event, what point of the game was it like, okay, let's kind of settle down here because this is a long marathon that we're experiencing here with this hockey game? Yeah, absolutely. So, from the puck drop, um, for, for uh, people that aren't aware of the game, is they're, they're, the only breaks during the game are every hour where we get a 10-minute bon- or ten minute Zamboni break. So um, if you've seen pictures of the rink, it's, it's the most incredible backyard I've ever seen. So uh, for the listeners, if you get a chance to look at the rink and see what uh, uh, Dr. Fake has in his backyard and what he's created, it's the ultimate uh, ultimate ba- outdoor hockey rink. It's just incredible. So, um, yeah, it's amazing. And it's it's such a cool backdrop and everything because it's outdoors. That's the best part. This is not just a game that's played inside your local public rink or inside an arena. This is in no. this is outdoors yeah. in the elements. One hundred percent outside. And it makes it this it makes it for the spectacle so much better. Now this year though, oh. just because of the weather, it made it a little bit uncomfortable. Andrew, you guys were experiencing between negative forty and negative. 55 degree temperatures for the majority of the game that I mean pucks were shattering I mean this was just insane because down here I mean we're down here in Michigan and you know people are complaining oh my goodness the wind chills like negative five Fahrenheit which is you know probably the epitome I think like negative 20 Celsius that's nothing compared to what you guys were experiencing what was that like playing in that cold weather oh 
Oh, it, it, it was unbelievable. So, um, you know, with COVID and everything this year, we weren't even sure if this event was going to go. So there was super, super, super tight restrictions to see if uh, we were going to get the green light to play. So that included, you know, players isolating at home with a negative COVID uh, swab for a week first. And then we had to uh, enter the bubble, just like the NHL was doing last year, enter a bubble at the premises. And we uh, haven't been home in two weeks. So uh, today's the first time I've been home in, in, you know, in over two weeks. So with the weather, you know, as it rolled in, um, you know, we were getting a lot of people doubting us, saying, hey, you guys, you guys won't be able to do this. You guys can't give up. There's no way that, you know, a group of 40 guys is going to be able to sustain hockey in that weather. And uh, we, uh, we proved a lot of naysayers wrong. And, but uh, <clears throat> I'd be lying to see if, you know, there wasn't challenges along the way or, you know, we're, we're – uh, guys, you know, thought maybe that they weren't going to be able to do it, but that was what was so unique about this event is, you know, when you were feeling down, you were feeling out, you were feeling like, you know, you couldn't continue on. You had a, you know, a brotherhood of guys that would pick you right back up in battle. And the biggest thing that got through us, you know, got us through this weather was the amazing support of, uh, of those uh, fighting cancer and those that have lost. So again, if you get a chance and, you know, I'll post a video maybe to your website after I did a skater on the rank of just how many faces, around the rank and that's who you know our celebrities were for the week or two weeks i guess is uh all those that have lost their lives to cancer who we're playing for so when you're down you're out you're frozen to the core you just you know you look around you and remember why you're there and what you're doing how you're going to impact lives and um you know guys are facing frostbite that you know our feet all look like something out of a horror movie um by this morning some guys couldn't even physically get their skates off they needed volunteers to get their skates off because it's just feet are so swollen you know, feet are black with frostbite. It's just, it's something I've never seen. In, in terms of goal year, um, I played in and out, but when I was in nets, especially during those minus 54 degree, uh, minus 54 degree uh, weather, we also had 40 kilometer wind. Oh, out of so it's just absolutely horrendous. So we battled snowstorms. We, you know, it kept going. The play cannot stop. So just because it's cold, it doesn't mean we can take an hour break or, you know, whatever, just to see if the weather gets a bit better. It's a tight schedule. It's a Guinness World Record. We're only allowed 10 minutes every hour, and that's just for the Zamboni to flood. If you're not out to the second for the puck drop, the record no longer counts. So it's very, very tight. It's not just kind of go out and play hockey when you feel like it. This is a full game, full NHL rules. We're only allowed two uh, 20-man rosters with three goalies on each side. So we didn't have a huge surplus of players to play from. So most guys, you know, we're out in these weather conditions, you know, 12, 16 hours a day. And that's sure you've seen some of the pictures on social media, but pucks were literally just shattering. Guys were coming and take a shot, and it would shatter off their stick. It was shattering off the post. I took a few uh, shots off the, my helmet, and pucks were just disintegrated. It was something out of this world. Like, And, um, you know, the coldest day of the week, we had people, you know, sending us messages that we were colder than Antarctica that day. So we were officially the coldest place on Earth, and, and we were a bunch of crazy Canadians doing. We were out playing hockey, trying to raise money, so... Uh, pretty unique event all around. Yeah, I know. I mean, sometimes I, like I said, living here in Michigan, we used to live down the road, uh, down the road from a pond, and you know we'd be out there eight hours a day, nine hours a day, whatever. People would be, are you, like, are you kids ever gonna get off the ice? And we're like, no, never, because it's too much fun. You know, that's yeah. eight hours, probably in maybe ten degree weather, or you know, or excuse me, I'd say closer to freezing temperatures, yeah. a little bit below that, maybe negative five Celsius. And I'm just like, oh, this is fun. This is great. It could take off the coat, whatever. You couldn't. And, you know, as a goaltender, because I played goal myself, Andrew, and, you know, there'd be times if you played pond hockey, you'd get a little cold just kind of standing up with plays at the other end, let alone yeah. when it's 
that cold. What were you doing to try to stay warm during this game? I mean, obviously the players are always skating warm. around. You know, it wasn't as crazy as it sounds. Too, too bad because, you know, initially when the weather was just slowly getting colder, but it's a fine line, right? Because you you, couldn't, you couldn't have too many layers because the second you have any sort of sweat or moisture out there, you flash free. Right? Oh. So it was a very fine line of trying to balance, you know, being warm, but not too warm where your body might start to, you know, create moisture a bit where you're just going to freeze yourself to the core. So <laughs> there's some pretty cool uh, pictures and videos too coming on. Uh, at times, players' eyes were frozen open. Guys couldn't blink. It was that cold. Gosh. You guys just kept going. We had icicles built up, you know, in our tier clan. We couldn't close our eyes. I was just kept playing. My goalie mask had, you know, centimeters of frost just built up. I, you know, I could barely see out of my cat eye mask at times. Just from severe frost uh, building up in there, and it's just it was unbelievable. Oh, uh, goalie sticks were shining on impact. It was nothing like I've ever seen before. But nothing stopped us. We kept going. We had one goal. So, well, that, well, I guess the biggest question, looking at the, you know, looking at you talk about the stick shattering. How many did anyone break steel on their blades? Because with that kind of cold oh, temperature. Yeah. No, absolutely. So steel broke on sticks. You know, I broke a pair of goalie skates, a, a pair of blades for sure. And you know, the puck hit my boot. It was just you know, you know, did not feel good. All pucks at minus fifty do not feel good for any of the listeners out there. It's. Uh, it was tough to keep standing in the way of those shots. And, you know, we had some pretty high-caliber guys from, you know, NHL to, to major junior out there. So uh, this wasn't, uh, you know, just normal rec hockey. There some boys with some pretty heavy shots. And at those temperatures, it was uh, terrifying at times, that's for sure. Yeah, Kyle Brodziak, I know former Oiler, was out there as well. And I, I were, were, slap, yeah. were slap shots just mute? Were they were there slap shots? Or they did you guys tell them, all right, let's oh, keep them uh, down? It was a, there, there was no rules. Oh, Last shots, you name it, were coming. Um, the one thing, as we kind of kind of got on, is you know this was this wasn't the most defensive uh, hockey, as you could imagine. If you see the score or the amount of shots on goal, so our goal we took an absolute onslaught of rubber over this event. So some of the guys started to get to a little um, more courteous, kind of as the days went on. Of well, if I did get a breakaway, maybe taking a shot instead of doing the uh, you know triple D, because our groins were not happy. You know, up, down, up, down, not much repetitive motion, which just, uh, just destroyed our bodies. So, uh, goalies definitely had the biggest challenge of this event. And, uh, you know, we had to take the brunt of it. We, you know, we couldn't go into the rewarming room, you know, during shifts until uh, that Zamboni came on. So, you had to mentally tough it out on that ice. Oh, and that's man. how you think it's coming within an hour. And, you know, there were some days where I was counting right down to the second. Like, you know, like, get me out of here, get me out of here, get me out of here. It's just, it was un you know, get in to get warm, not quit the event, but just like I could not physically, you know, take the weather anymore. So uh, mental challenge, emotional challenge, but uh, one of the most unique things too is anytime you're feeling down, uh, you know, the guys would pick you right back up. And what was kind of neat too is to see you know, everybody at some point in that tournament went through some sort of an emotional breakdown where it's just like, I don't know if I could do this. I don't know, you know, if, you know, what am I doing here, that kind of thing. And to see the guys pick each other up and, you know, rally through was, Absolutely incredible. That that is probably the biggest part right there. The official score, according to Uni Niem Niemannen. Niem, oh my gosh, I can't even speak today. The official score was Team Hope two thousand six hundred forty nine to Team Cure, who had two thousand five hundred twenty eight. I measure. Yeah. I, I quickly did the math. Goals against average for Team Hope, which was the team that you were on, was ten point oh three. Team Cure had ten point five one. And I'll say this: from playing pond hockey and playing shinny, you know, throughout my days. That's a pretty good goals against average, Andrew. I don't know about you. Yeah, it's uh, 
it's really good. We had, uh, we had some fun going on the team. And, uh, but uh, it's a, a lot of rubber. Oh. Say my gear, uh, at the start of this, it's well broken in now. Well, well broken in. You know, I... I, so one of our uh, feature guests that we kind of have on quite often, his name's Cody Jansen. He actually lives up near Lloydminster. Uh, works, oh, does, yeah. some, does some works for Six Thirty Shed up there. Has his own show, just like me and whatnot. And he, we were talking one time about you know how if you travel on the road and you know it gets too windy and your pads are exposed, the pads will freeze. Did the pads at any yeah. point freeze for you guys with that kind of temperatures? Absolutely. So here, here's kind of a funny thing. So I brought. Uh, and, you know, I'm not, I'm not calling out any hockey companies here at all, but I started the tournament in Brian's gear. I was wearing uh, Optus pads, which are, you know, typically a stiffer butterfly-style pad to begin with. Right. And with those cold temperatures, you know, you take a stiff pad out there, and it was absolutely rock hard. And I had absolutely no bend in my pad whatsoever. So going down was nearly impossible. And my glove would freeze completely open. I, no matter how hard I squeezed my glove, I could not close that glove. In those conditions, it was something like I've never seen. And, you know, taking pucks off, you know, the material started disintegrating on, on sets. So, uh, well, glue started letting go on helmets and stuff and padding would just fall out, right? Not even struck by anything. It's been so cold that the glue or, you know, the integrity of the material, it just, just stopped. It would just fall out and fluff off. Gosh, <laughs> I finished, uh, finished off in a more flexible pad in a warrior set and definitely had, uh, definitely had a lot more, uh, um, less stiffness in a pad from that, which, which helped towards the end. Cause, uh, even to go down to a butterfly and get up was almost impossible. I think it's the pants. I just, it was, yeah. Unbelievable. I have Vons and they're relatively new. I just sold my last old pair, which I'd used for five years. They looked like Archer's Herbe's old pads, you know, the, from when he was okay. in Carolina, those, and I'll tell you right now, you probably should have called him up. Those pads probably have been perfect for this weather. Just, you know, nice yeah. and soft, easy to get up with. A lot of puck marks made you look like you had stopped a few pucks. That's what I always tell people with my pads. <laughs> but, yeah. I, I mean, it. What you talked about just the brotherhood and everyone being able to pick someone up because it's not just going out and playing a hockey game. You're doing it no, for a cause. And this is in support yeah, of the... that a hockey game broke out at, really. Yeah, exactly. And that's the best part about this because, and of course, it came. this all kind of came to be because Brent Syke, he started doing this when he lost his father to cancer. Yep. And it's kind of built from a just simple golf tournament to this event they, they hold every year, the world's longest hockey game. And it started yep. off back in 03, the first one was 80 hours. So yep. l- more than a third of what you guys did. And this year, you like you said, you guys, you're, the goal was $1.5 million. You guys raised mm-hmm. $1.84 million. And yeah, you had, and still yeah. And it's still and it's still going up because people can still donate. And of course, I'll make sure I'll say this now and I'll say it again. Worldslongestgame.ca. Go on there and donate to World's Longest Game. We did here on the Kula Show. May not be as big as some other people because there's some there's um, a few very generous donors out there. We were seeing hundred thousand dollar donations. The Edmonton. I almost said Edmonton. Their old name, the Edmonton Football Team, the CFL team in Edmonton. They did a huge fifty fifty drawing that raised over I think uh, over was it almost six hundred thousand dollars. Andrew, I think, I think by the last chance, we were so busy yesterday, we didn't get to see the final count, but uh, it was incredible by the Edmonton football team to lend us their um, 50-50 license for the day. So, uh, they, you know, 50% of the proceeds went directly to the cause, and, you know, 50% went to the winner. So, extremely generous on their part, and I believe it got up to 400000 yesterday, so the winner took home two hundred grand on Valentine's Day, I'm pretty sure. So, just a nice little touch to... Uh, 
um, you know, add to uh, our fundraising goal. And, uh, you know, we had a few days left, and it was just an absolute incredible feeling that we knew we hit our goal before the game was even over. And that has never happened in the history of this game. And this game has never raised as much money as we had so far. And it just continues to grow. And, you know, that, that was just from our money donations at 1.8. Now they're, you know, doing the corporate stuff and sponsorships and all that sort of stuff that came in. So um, hopefully, you know, maybe we'll be north of uh, 2 million by the time it's all done. But uh, we got an amazing team working, uh, you know, crunching numbers, that sort of stuff around the clock. And you know, I can't thank them enough for all their hard work. So it's uh Pretty impressive that, uh, you know, 40 of us went in battle on the ice for potentially uh, a new pill that can help cure cancer. So it's pretty, uh, pretty amazing and pretty unique to be part of that. And for myself, uh, I'm a firefighter paramedic here in Alberta, and, you know, cancer is our number one killer of firefighters. So that's what drove me to, you know, get involved with this event and participate and, and make a change because we're losing far, far too many uh, incredible first responders across the nation at way too young of ages. So it seems like we're having more funerals than retirement parties right there, right now. So I figure uh, if I can go out there and battle in the cold, it's nothing to what uh, my brothers and sisters and the emergency services are going through. And so I dedicated that to them. And as a paramedic as well, I I see a lot of sick kids with cancer, you know, it breaks your heart, you know, that you can't do more for them. So if I can go out and, you know, get pucks to the head at minus 50 and that might help uh, kids around the world, then I'll do that, no problem. That That is, I think, the biggest thing. Because I, I did a... I did a piece when I was writing for the ECHL a couple of years back. I talked with Michael yep. Neal, who is James Neal's brother. He was playing down in Kalamazoo and he was part of the, cause the, the players, the professional hockey players association does a great job trying to help players after their careers. Cause not every guy in the ECHL and AHL is going to be able to live off their wages. So they, yeah, he was part sure. of their um, work, their occupation program. And he was doing firefighting training in Toronto. And he was actually, oh, gonna yeah. be, he was going to be a firefighter. I think he is now though, because he, but he had a chance to play and he wanted to play a little bit more. And I asked him about, you know, what's the similarities between firefighting and being a hockey player? He said, it's just like being in the locker room with the guys, with the boys uh, hanging out. I'm sure Andrew, you can attest to that. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, you know, I would say, uh, you know, the, the amount of firefighters that have played, you know, sports growing up is, is uh yeah a huge number right so it is just like being in the dressing room it is a brotherhood it is a family we have help for each other the best we can right it's uh it's not about the individual at all it's about the team right as we try to accomplish our goal so whether you translate that from hockey or into the fire service it's uh it's definitely a team environment and uh you know that was evident again this week past two weeks with uh with the guys on the ice right felt like just being at work but what's uh what's really amazing is the Support I had not just from Canadian firefighters, but I had firefighters from across the you know the entire United States calling me, emailing me, Facebooking me during this event, sharing what this you know what this means to them, uh, their experiences fighting cancer, you know the brothers and sisters in the fire are in fire service that they have lost to cancer and what this means to everybody. So what was pretty crazy is to see you know just an Alberta hockey player or a firefighter getting donations from you know Buffalo Fire Department, Detroit Fire Department, New York Fire Department, stuff like that pulling in just shows you how strong the brotherhood is and how big the bond is in the fire service. And, uh, and I can't thank, uh, all the firefighters down in the U S who uh, supported me through this. It was absolutely incredible to see. So 
Yeah, I, I talked. So Kate Gallagher, she was the the woman that helped set this interview up, and I was talking to her about it because she was she was interested to see like you know what was my interest in this event. I said I'm like, well, you know, I I love helping out these kind of events, and and I heard about this such a great event, and she told me how you yourself and you know the firefighters were just kind of bonding together, and everyone, you know, and I guarantee, and Andrew, it's probably the thing where these guys probably just maybe are not big hockey fans, but the fact that you know you were out there you know, braving the elements and, you know, risking your own personal well-being for this event to help raise money for, you know, for cancer research and testing in Alberta, just to help find a way to try to cure cancer. Cause I, you know, my family has history of cancer. My wife's is the same as well. It every, I, there's not a person in this, I don't, there's not many people in the world that have not been affected in some form by cancer of any form. And the fact no, that, absolutely. and it's, and it's, it's an unfortunate statistic about it. And the fact that you guys went out there and did this, it's just, it's universal. That's the thing too. Like people were tuning on in this. And I think it didn't get as much love, at least in the press down here in the States, which is, I, this is really the reason why I want to do this. Cause I'm like, let's get the word out as much as possible about this down here absolutely. Whether it be in Michigan or down South. Cause we, you know, I was telling her, I'm like, yeah, we have people that listen from you know down south overseas i mean we're gonna be talking to peyton turnage who's from alabama here in a little bit i mean just tell everyone about this just because if you can keep raising money the game's over the winner has been determined but you know final the final whistle went this morning right but we're just you know we're just at the start of uh of trying to you know help treat cancer rates so that's ongoing so um any support that uh the listeners can help out with uh you know the website was listed uh at worldlongestgame.ca uh, we all have our individual player uh, um, donation pages on there. I'm getting super close to my goal. Um, never in like, you know, a million years did I think a firefighter could raise almost $100,000 for this event. So I'm uh, I'm getting close to in on that. And uh, any help uh, for any of the listeners that can uh, help donate and help get me up to that uh, goal would be absolutely appreciated. Um, 100% of the funds go directly to the cause. They get this brand new drug in the clinical trial. This isn't just money that's going to sit in a bank account and be used by, you know, uh, a study here or there, or just, you know, be used for something unrelated to cancer. That's Dr. Sick's mission. He does not do these events unless the money goes directly 100% to, uh, to a clinical cause. So uh, this drug was founded by two uh, Alberta doctors and 40 uh, Alberta hockey players just uh, rallied around them to get this drug launched. So started in May is going to be the first trial that this drug goes. So they needed $1.5 million dollars to get that into play. So we've, we've attained that and now we're uh, continuing to raise funds for, uh, for other areas as well. So uh, any support is greatly appreciated. It's a hundred percent tax write off for any businesses and you will be issued a, uh, a tax receipt as well for uh, any of those that are curious for donations. And it's a, it's a charitable organization as well. It's, it's a great cause for a great reason to do it. Obviously, the fact that hockey's involved definitely, you know, for some of us made it a little bit more interesting, but this is something that just, it goes beyond the game. We have it now right on the screen, world's longest game.ca right down there on the bottom, get on there. You don't, you can just literally just read it out, type it in your URL, get in there and donate. It'll be on the rest of the show. So people can get involved. Andrew, thank you once again for coming on Andrew Buchanan here. He was on the winning team, team hope. They hope to win and they did yep. win. And they also won. By, they won the game and they won by reaching their donation, their goal, and then they exceeded it. $1.84 million. Kate told me you guys wanted to get to $2 million, and I think you guys can do it. You guys, people keep donating out there. Get them up to $2 million. Help try to find a way to get treatment to cure cancer, part of the Cure Cancer Foundation. 
Andrew, once again, thank you very much for taking the time to talk about this today. It's a great cause. It was a great event, awesome event. Can't wait for the next one. I mean, I'm sure you can probably wait a little bit after after the game. Uh, yeah, you know what was funny is uh, I walked in the door this morning, and uh, the first thing that my kid asked if I wanted to go play hockey in the basement. <laughs> so uh, if you're a good dad, you can't turn that down, right? You're like, let's nope. get her done. So. Uh, we've had stories like that too, where parents are sending in stuff uh, you know, that we've motivated their kids to you know get back into hockey or go outside and play hockey or can't stop talking about hockey. Right, and that's just the amazing part of this game is is what it does. And you know, it's uh, it, it's absolutely incredible. And uh, for those that don't know the history of the game, we have a, a very positive relationship with uh, a team uh, in Buffalo that raises money for the exact same event. And uh, normally those boys play inside, but we've challenged them this year to break our record. Uh, they better be doing it outside after the weather we just went through. So uh, we're great friends. We both raise money for the you know the, the same uh, same type of cause, and uh, we can't wait to see if uh, they can break our record so that we can get all forty of us together back again and do it again. Oh, so man. thanks for having me on the show. Um, once again, yeah, if you go to my donation page, every little bit helps, and uh, yeah. Andrew, be check out the event if you don't know much about it because it's it's simply something out of this world. It's oh. a rink like you've never seen. There are plenty of pictures online. We've definitely, we've retweeted them a few times. We'll definitely post some more about it because it's an awesome event. Andrew, thanks again, man. Take care. Rest up. Go play with some hockey with your kid. Try to, try to make sure you give yourself the knees the break there. I, I know it's going to sound bad. Maybe an ice bath or two may help a little bit. I know you don't want to stay up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I got to start with the hot tub right now, boys, because uh, I'm still on here, so... Uh, but uh, if I could show you pictures and stuff, I might be thrilled. But uh, take care. Thanks for supporting this game. And uh, to all those that are out there fighting cancer, uh, you know we got your back, and we're not going to stop uh, until we can find a cure. So That's the way. Take that's, care. That's what it's all about. Andrew, have a good one, man. Yeah, you too. Thanks, guys. That was Andrew Buchanan once again from the world's longest game. It was that was that was a fun interview. I because I remember when I heard about the event. And literally, and to say that this interview was put together very hastily is a straight understatement because I called Kate. So I emailed the, there's a, on the website, worldslongestgame.ca. You see right there on the bottom, get down there and donate, get on it, go do it. And we were talking about it. I reached out to him and I said, Hey, let's, you know, let's do something. Um, let's, let's, I want to try to talk to someone, whether it be Brent or someone else in the event. I want to talk to someone about this event because I want more people to hear about this. Now, yes, it's gotten national recognition, Canada and some, some outlets down here in the States, but not as much as I think it should get. Cancer is something that, yeah, I've, I mean, I've, I've lost family members in the past to cancer my wife has also had the same thing. My English teacher in middle school, she passed away from breast cancer, someone who had a real impact in my life. You know, you, you, I, I write and stuff like that. She was a big part of that and pushing me to go be a writer. And there's so many events that have that I've been a part of. And when I played in high school, we had something called Pink in the Rink. It was actually done my very uh, the two years I was there. We started it when I was a junior, and it was a breast cancer event. And we raised money, had, it was like a little showcase, raised some money for it. And the first year we did it, because when you're a kid, you hear about it, cancer all the time and you just think, okay, it's, it's bad. You know, people die from it. It can happen to you, whatever. But when we, when we first did that event, 
I was 17. I had just turned 17 and we held and the event happened. I remember I just sat there and then, cause there were so many people from, uh, we had people from, uh, from the cancer center, uh, not Helen DeVos. I forget what it's called downtown, uh, spectrum health. My wife works for spectrum health. But I don't remember what the, the cancer research center was called, but we had a bunch of people come in and simply talk to us about it. And you, it's an eye opener. Because when you're a kid, like you said, it's just, it's a, it's, it's a sickness, it's a, it's a disease, but that's all you know about it. But until you actually hear from firsthand experience as a person, from another person that has cancer, it's a complete 180. After that, I remember the next year we did a big, because we did the first season where we're like, okay, we'll do the fundraiser and promote it, whatever, and be a part of it, shake hands, whatever. But then when you actually being a part of that experience, turned everything because that's when you realized it was more than just playing a game and raising money and that's what we saw with the world's longest game world's longest game.ca right down there you see it you see it look at it make sure you go on it and we did a big part and ever since then you know i've every time i've heard like we gotta do something you know something for uh Sled wings, we used to do that at Davenport, sled wings, or every pop can drive to raise money for something, just something to help out. That's why we did, you know, we did the thing with Bell Let's Talk, and every year, we've done that for the last three years of this show, ever since Bell Let's Talk Day originated, and we find every way, because you don't know out there, you don't know who you're helping directly, but if you can go out and help someone, there's not, you're not going to meet every person that, you know, if you, if you go on worldslongestgame.ca or whatever, you know, if you're part of another foundation, other cancer foundation, or really any foundation helping raise money for any good cause, you may not meet the person that you're helping directly, but you are helping someone. That's the biggest thing. When we did our Easter seals bit with Steve Dangle a couple years ago, when we pushed that one through, I don't know who we helped on there, but I know that someone Someone may have had a better day. Someone's life may have changed because of it. And that's why you do it. You don't do it for the for the love and the fame or whatever, or the, you know, hey, look at this. This person was helping us out. No, no one does that. Kyle Brozak didn't go out to that game to just say, hey, look at me, I'm still relevant. No, it was Kyle Brozak going out there to help raise money for a good cause. That's what the, that is the importance in this. That's why those guys went out there and played for over 10 days of consecutive hockey with 10 minute breaks because of they had to, yeah, to cut the ice every so often. They went out there to do that because they wanted to make a difference. And that's why I challenge you all today. I donated. My wife's donated. She donated a little bit more than me because she has more money than I do, but we donated. Go on out there and donate yourself. World's longest game.ca. Get out there and help for a good cause. Get them to $2 million, guys. I know it's 2 million Canadian. But get them up there. Maybe they'll hit, if you help them out enough, they'll hit 2 million American, at least after the conversion rate. Go out there and help them, worldslongestgame.ca. We're keeping it down there in the bottom because there is no good reason for us to take it off here today or maybe next week as well. We'll see. With that, let's move on here back to professional hockey. We mentioned the Pittsburgh Penguins signing on Ron Hextall. And Brian Burke to run their front office. So then all of a sudden, not too long before that, actually, we had Steve Sullivan. 
Steve Sullivan, who is the, who, excuse me, who was the Arizona Coyotes as the assistant general manager. Now he was initially going to be the interim. He took, excuse me, he took over the interim job from John Chaka. Then when they hired the new guy, they fired him as Thursday. They terminated his contract. That was the actual press release. They terminated his contract. So what the heck happened? He was, of course, the road, the the Tucson Roadrunners general manager. Of course, that's usually any assistant GM's job is you end up being the general manager of the AHL team. And it's it's so weird how this whole thing came about because you don't expect anything like that, like terminated. Now, Billy Armstrong has he's kind of inherited a team that is going to be cash strapped, and and so be it. However, I. I just, I, I chuckle because what happened? Nothing has really come out yet. They said they're not going to be filling the assistant general manager. The Coyote said that they're not going to fill Steve Sullivan's position. But what's what could have been the deal? Was this another one of those things that similar to Jim Rutherford and similar to, you know, if you're going to go back a couple of years, Trevor Linden leaving in Vancouver, differences between own, owners and management. Now, remember, John Chaka left because of the difference between the, the differing opinions between ownership and management. Did Stevie Sullivan have the similar idea of what he wanted to do or similar to John Chaka? Hence, that's why John Chaka had him around. Remember that? I don't know, but I just, it something's fishy down in Arizona. Maybe we'll get Louis Pannone back on next week to talk about it. Cause I need to know, I need answers because what are the Arizona Coyotes? They're not nearly as good as they were last year. Now, granted, yes, they are in a West division that is kind of a kerfuffle at this point. They are sitting fifth behind Anaheim, who is holding the fourth spot. Anaheim, who is playing 500 right now, 6'6 six, six, and 3. One more point for than Arizona, who is 6'6 six, six, and 2. As Arizona and St. Louis, have play, I believe, play their seventh game tonight of their series because of so many games that had to get rescheduled because of Vegas having COVID issues and Colorado having COVID issues, Minnesota as well. So they ended up playing seven games straight. And I thought Toronto and Ottawa playing three games straight was going to be a big deal. How about seven games? You're literally playing a playoff series against each other for, you know, over a two week span. Now I don't know if St. Louis and Arizona actually play each other because I believe they have played each other in the past in the playoffs, but I don't know if that'll actually ever like, if that'll happen, that won't happen this season. That's for sure. Regardless, it's, it's an interesting story. I'd like to know more about it. As of right now, though, we don't know much more than what we've been told. And that is, he is no longer the general manager. Our assistant general manager is Steve Sullivan of the Arizona coyotes. So it's, it's just weird. Everything about it is just weird and fishy. And I mean, ever since the draft last year and Cheka just, you know, up and leaving before that, something's going on in Arizona. And it's not just a straight money issue like it used to be. It wasn't a, all oh, this team's going to get sold again or whatever. No, this is something that people need to answer. I need answers, guys. I need, I need people to tell me what's going on. Now, that's why I'm inside of the insiders. And unfortunately, my insiders aren't telling me squat. By the way, worldslongestgame.ca, get on there and donate. $1.84 million raised as of now. You can get more and help out 
world's long world's longest game.ca. Maybe I'll twist the arm of Peyton Turnage to to do that as well, to help out and donate. I know he's gonna be like, but I don't. I mean, listen, we're we're both broke. We're both broke broadcasters. However, even just a little bit helps. Any amount helps. It was it was quite interesting. Oh, that's awesome. Cool. Andrew just emailed me his direct player donation page as well. He is at worldslongestgame.ualberta.ca. We'll put the link in the description for this video here before we get going, before we go any further. I just realized the screen blacked out for a second, but that's okay. You don't need to see my face that much. I'll uh, I'll be sure we sh- share that in the replay. So if you're watching right now on 12 on sports, you won't be able to see the link. You have to see worldslongestgame.ca down there. However, we'll be sure though to show you the link. It'll be in the description of our po- podcast and the replay on YouTube. So be sure to check that out when you have a chance. We're just turning on the Toronto Ottawa game, which we'll see how long the stream lasts. As on Saturday, when I was watching Toronto Montreal before I had to go call a game, the stream died after like five minutes. So we'll just have to wait and see how long it lasts there. Game just started as Toronto and Ottawa's playing. I will say this. I'm a huge fan of the, uh, I'm, I think I mentioned this before when Ottawa announced their comeback with the 2D logo. I'm a big fan of them going back to it. I, this is what they should have done. The rest of the league should have done. The rest of the league, for all these reverse retro jerseys, by the way, Nashville and Dallas is one of the free games tonight on NHL.TV. They're calling it Adidas reverse retro game or free game because both Dallas and Nashville are wearing their reverse retros tonight. And let me tell you right now, I mean, we're going to Peyton Turner John here in just a minute. They're gonna, I think they play at 8.30 tonight. Not a fan. Not a fan in the slightest on it. And I get it. I People are like, oh, man, but it's cool to save money. And, oh, hey, Dad's in the chat. Hey, Dad, how's it going? So we'll talk to Peyton Turner here in just a little bit. About bottom of the hour here. Moving along here on TKS. Let's get some news and notes. Speaking of the Ottawa Senators, may as well mention it. Matt Murray, day-to-day with an upper body injury. As of right now, yeah, Marcus Hober getting the start tonight for the Sens against the Leafs. Three games in four nights between these between these two teams for the Battle of Ontario. And Leafs almost just scored as John Tavares just banged one wide of the goal. Sorry, if I go play-by-play again, I do apologize. I am trying my best not to. I just did five games in three days. So if I start going all, oh, with a chance on goal, like I did last week with a Frederick Anderson save, I do apologize. But... Matt Murray dated with an upper body injury. Anthony Sorelli down in Tampa week to week with an upper body injury. A few guys off the COVID list this week. Jesse Pugliarvi for the Edmonton Oilers started practicing today with the team after he got pulled off. Steven Stamkos was a big name that got put on the COVID list. He is off of it as well. Like I talked about earlier in the show, New Jersey is a team that is coming back from COVID. They should be practicing today or tomorrow. The NHL, some big news last week, the NHL signing a deal with Amazon. Now, this is something kind of interesting because I talked a little bit about it and I heard a little bit about on the 31 Thoughts podcast last week. The NHL signed a deal with Amazon for their next-gen stats. Now, for any of you that follow the National Football League, they've done something, done a lot this year of following for stats and, you know, kind of like, you know, probability plays. Sometimes if you watch the NFL, they have those commercials where it's like, oh, I have a 2.5% chance to score on this play or whatever and stuff like that, like little analytics. 
And it's unique because, you know, it's, you know, player tracking and better for, you know, detailed analysts and analytics and analysis on players. And it's really intriguing because remember how the NHL tried that a couple years ago in the All-Star game? I believe it was, if I'm not mistaken, it was the St. Louis All-Star game. Was it not the last one we had? I think so where they literally had player tracking on the pucks, on the players, so they could follow them around, tell them how fast they were going, how fast the puck was going consistently, and whatnot. It made it very interesting to watch. Now, I'll say this. When they had all the players with all their names over their head and they showed them during the warm-ups, it looked like a gosh-darn disaster that you see in World of Warcraft, but it was interesting. It was kind of entertaining to watch at times, and it's something, and, of course, Dad saying, go Ottawa. Yeah, Dad, hold on. Hold on a second. We'll talk about Ottawa here because there was a trade that was made last week. But this is cool for the National Hockey League, because now players, you know, teams can see, all right, this guy in this situation is, you know, he has he's able to make this kind of play. You know, it's just deeper analytics that I barely understand now. Like, you go with all the Corsi for and Corsi against or whatnot. Starts to get a little interesting, and I start to, I'm not saying I start to lose interest, but I just don't understand it. Like, you talk about PDO and Fenwick, I'm gone. I am gone. I'm more of the, I'm, and I'm going to sound old. I'm more of the eye test kind of guy. Listen, I get it. And, you know, when a guy's on the ice, the Corsi four, and I used to do, when I was doing analysis for the Montreal Canadiens, I was doing a lot of with evolving hockey, which is where you see like the, uh, the, the, the shot maps, the heat charts and whatever. A lot of these players like comparisons on expected goals for expected goals against, you know, stuff like that. So I understand a little bit of it and how it helps showing how would you know who is a better defenseman, who is a better forward, who can be a better fit on this line. That's what these next gen stats are going to be used for. Now, the big problem is, is that there's been talks of it being used in contract negotiations. Now the NHL is working on a plan to ensure that teams can't um, can't use certain stats to, you know, leeway, like, oh, this guy's worth, my client's worth $4.5 million because he is good at zone exits in the third period in a one-goal game. Like, there's, like, little things I think they're trying to ignore, and I think they're going to try to make sure they can figure that out. But, like I said, there's nothing official as of yet. However, there is, there's little things that there's going to be changed about. It's going to make it interesting, make, you know, more accessible for players and fans. You can go on your NHL app, and follow the game live and be like, oh, look at this. You know, you know, we were talking about a speedster, Connor McDavid. How fast has he been going on average tonight? He's been going about, oh, looks at this, about, you know, 25 miles an hour average. Now, I guarantee that's not going to happen because at some points in the game, he's stationary. But it's like his top speed, you know, his average speed, like little things that just make it more interesting. Now, it'll turn some crazy people on podcasts and nuts like me. I'll be like, oh, my gosh. John Tavares isn't working hard enough because he's only been in the offensive zone or he's only been in the defensive zone 10% of the game so far. He's only got one shot on goal. He's not doing anything. I mean, there's going to be very, very... It's going to make shows very interesting. I can tell you that in the future. Also, jumping over to the Washington side of things. We'll get to Ottawa here in just a second, Dad. Washington adding Michael Pekka as player development coach in order to really help continuing to work with players on the taxi squad. That's the point of his signing down there with the Capitals. And, you know, Michael Pekka, a longtime NHL veteran, didn't win the Stanley Cup, but had a few good years in Boston, played for, 
He was on the Edmonton Oilers team that made it to the 06 final. Uh, he was a longtime veteran, really good, played with the Islanders as well. And, you know, just kind of help out the team there. So got to find ways to keep your taxi squad fresh instead of just, you know, hey, guys, you know, next to 20 minutes on the ice here. So go out and head out there and have some fun, play around a little bit, get some shots on the on our fourth string goaltender, stuff like that. No, it, there's a reason why they brought him in. So good to see Washington trying to be a little bit, I don't say, not say groundbreaking, but a little bit innovative. That's the word we'll use. So getting to Ottawa now, they had a trade last week. Ryan Dezingle. Came back to Ottawa, traded from Carolina. Cedric Paquette and Alex Galchenyuk going down to Carolina. Alex Galchenyuk went, was put on waivers and then was promptly cleared of waivers the following day. So more or less this maneuver for the Sens wasn't working with Galch, wasn't working with Paquette. Let's get Dezingle back because Dezingle's best years were in Ottawa. So why not give him a shot? So, makes it quite interesting as the Leafs just scored. Hey, look at that. Austin Matthews, of all people, scoring the first goal of the game for the Toronto Maple Leafs. They're up one nothing. Look at that. Everyone talking about how he's going to be a Rocket Richard winner this year. I don't know about that, but Leafs are up one nothing, Dad. What you going to do? What are you going to do, Dad? We're going to be, actually, there's a guest that I may get in line for soon here. To talk about the Leafs. Can't mention his name yet, though, because we're not sure yet. Uh-oh. There's a door opening. Oh, the wife's back. Hi. Can you go let the dog out? Okay, cool. Oh, yeah, you did? Did she go? Did she Did she go? She didn't? Really? Why? She ate food. She ate dinner. And she didn't go to the... She didn't do that before. I know, but she didn't do her business before the show. This is great podcasting, by the way. You smell like dog? Okay. Well, take, you're going to probably take her out in a little bit. Oh, here she comes. Oh, here's Wixie. Wixie, come here. Wixie, Grandpa's watching. Come here. Grandpa's watching. Come here. Grandpa wants to see you. Come here. Come here. No, where are you going? Oh, oh, Kelly's got her. All right, Kelly's got her. Cool. Here you go, Dad. Here's your treat. Since the Leafs are winning and Ottawa's trailing, you're going to come you're gonna come sit down? Okay. She's going to come sit down. Let me move the pillow here. Ladies and gentlemen, all right, kind of climbing into the shot here slowly is the wife. Oh, it's Kelly. Hi, Kelly. How Did you have fun tonight? You did have fun? Okay, I'm glad. Yeah, coworkers. Yeah. This is Wixie. Wixie, make another appearance. Kelly, make sure world's longest, say world's longest game.ca. World's longest game.ca. Yes. Go on there and donate. They almost, they raised $1.84 million, Kel. Wow. For what? For cancer research. <gasps> in. Yay. So. I work with colon cancer patients. Yes. And they are trying to find a cure. They're doing, the reason that they raised $1.5 million was their goal. They had to raise it so they could work on a an experimental treatment that they're going to start trying in Ottawa. There's also or in, in Edmonton or up near Edmonton. They also charge. They, watch my mug there. They also have a group in Buffalo they're teaming up with that they're challenging them to do as well to raise money for the same cause. So we're making a bunch of money here. I think we can get to two million dollars. That'd be great. That'd be awesome for cancer research in up near Edmonton. As Wixie has taken the floor. Here on the Kula Show, blocking my light and everything. Will you watch my... You're going to hit my coffee over. And it's going to end poorly. No, I need to take a sip of this. Because if, I need, if I'm going to have to deal with you two both in here, I need to make sure I have coffee. By the way, if they're listening to the podcast right now, I have a dog on the table, my wife to my left, and the Leafs are up one nothing. And it's great. And it's great. And I got to hang out with puppies. And she got to hang out with puppies. And you too, Wixie. She's like, what? Wixie just loves standing there. She just doesn't move from that spot. She'll stand, like you set her here, but she'll walk over, and this is her spot. That's her corgi butt spot. No, don't sit her back. Watch out. There's, I want her to sit. sit. She will not sit on this table. Oh, my gosh. Sit. She's going to try to sit. Are you trying to force her down? No. Sit. 
She's gonna, no, she's yeah. going to lean into the mixer. Okay, that's fine. All right, Wixie's sitting. Good girl. Wixie, look at the camera. Look at the camera. There she Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I'm right above it. There's our there's our picture of the day. I'm gonna it's gonna take me like an hour to screenshot that. By the way, you know that right? Well, I mean like an hour like after the show. Well, at least I'm not doing like any video chats. I'm to remember anyway, recorded that. What's up in the hockey world, Tyler? Leafs are up one nothing, and quickly review everything that happened. Cedric Paquette and Alex Galchenyuk sent to Carolina from Ottawa. Ryan Dezingle going back to the Sens. I don't think he's in the lineup tonight. Johan Larson got suspended two games for a headshot on St. Louis's Zach Sanford. So Kelly, guess two what? Days. Only two games. Well, you know what? Just showing that the Angel Department of Player Safety is actually doing something, that's good enough for me. So no fine, but just two-game suspension? Well, two-game, okay, fine. Okay, they only can fine players like $5,000, so it doesn't really do anything. Even they make millions and millions and millions. Listen, the CBA is a wonderful thing. Joe Thornton, by the way, was on the ice for that in his first game back. He just got activated from, L, from was he on LTIR? No, he's just on IR. But he's back in the lineup producing because he's back on the top line with Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews. Uh, I talked about the NHL signing a deal with Amazon. Next gen stats. Oh. No, no, no. Like those NFL things you see, like the percentage of yeah, like probability. Amazon needs more money. Well, the I don't know who's getting paid in that, but whoever's paying what, it doesn't matter. NHL trying to get it a little bit bigger, a little bit more interactive, if you will. We're going to know how fast jo- Joe Thornton's skating, and you want to see the speed of smell Joe Thornton's next gen stats via Amazon with the NHL. Just a couple minutes here. We'll take a break, and then we'll come back with Peyton Turnage of Alabama Huntsville and Nashville Predators fan of Penalty Box Radio. We'll talk about the Chargers and the Preds, who are second to last in the Central behind or in front of Kelly. Red the, Wings? Yep, the Detroit Red Wings. <laughs> Even Kelly could guess. This show, has to, this show has gone to the dogs. Ah, Dad, you're hilarious. Isn't he hilarious? Great. <laughs> It's gone to the dogs. Well, it's always gone to the dog. Oh, no. We lost the stream for... Yep. The stream anyway. is the stream has been cut off for the Leafs. And we have to watch Islanders in Buffalo. That's okay, though. <laughs> there's a... Oh, she said, there's... They said, there's a big girl. Aww. She's just getting butt scratches. She's getting all the love right now. I'm over here complaining about NHL player safety and talking about how the Red Wings stink. But everyone's looking at the dogs. So it's happy, happy, fun time. Unless you're listening on the podcast. You're like, get to hockey. Listen, we're talking get about a... We're talking about a dog here, a cute, lovely dog that is at least shedding all over my mixer now (laughs) because Kelly, okay, now you're just pulling off hair and lead on there. I will kick you out of this studio so fast. Actually, well, I mean, well, hold on. I mean, we can make it to break your, I mean, well, hold on. Do you have any questions about hockey while you're in here? Um, here, there's a microphone over here. I know there is. You have to like yell into it though, because you have to talk to it. No, I I know. I'm trying oh, to help. Did you tell your viewers and your listeners who the ho- the who the mic is from? Oh yeah, I told them the mic is from your dad, my father-in-law. I I told him that. He likes buying you toys. He likes buying me toys. That's where I got this mixer. Um, just to clarify. The what? Like electronic toys. oh yeah well just yeah. electronic toys. Well, this stuff like. like he got. Well, okay, I bought the arm. He got me the microphone. He actually gave me some cable cords for it as well. I got the mixer from him. These, yeah, the beats are from you, and which are from your dad, probably, right? Oh, grandma, really? Well, tell them, tell grandma I said hi next time. Are you gonna call grandma? You should call grandma. Thank you. I'm just telling. Well, you never talked to her, and now we just got Wixie. Thank you for guilting me on your Wixie. Can you back up just a little so no one's just staring at your butt? Because we just have a corgi butt. (laughs) Will you get off my water? Holy cow, Wixie is going rogue. 
This has been the weirdest five. How long have you been here? Five, ten minutes? Good Lord. And there she goes. Yes, there you are, Kel. Getting in the middle of the screen. Good Lord. Okay. Bye, Wixie. Oh, gosh. Can, do you know how to grab a dog? Don't pull the cords. Holy cow. We are just going to just rip everything out, destroy all the equipment. Bye, Wixie. All right. So that was that. <laughs> no, your phone is not in here. So that was interesting. <laughs> Did you drop the dog? Why is... Oh, good golly. Why is... Oh, my goodness. This has been a weird... World's Longest Game.ca. Go on there and donate to support a good cause. I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna keep repeating it. Yeah, I'm gonna scare Peyton when I say it the first time. I'm gonna have to explain to him probably during the break why I'm yelling that out. But yes, World's Longest Game.ca. Go on there and donate. 1.84 million dollars raised during the game. Money will continue to get raised after. Get to two million dollars for cancer research to help try to find a way to cure cancer. Because guess what? Cancer is bad, and no one wants it here anymore. Let's get rid of it by donating to worldslongestgame.ca and helping out and doing your part. So just a couple more minutes here. Uh, I probably, I know, I know. Words in mouth, not going out so well. A couple things here. I don't know if I'll have time for Patrick or Pierre-Luc Dubois, but Patrick Laine getting benched in Columbus. Now, yes, this is another thing that's happened a while ago, but I'm going to talk about it anyways because I haven't had the chance to yet since it happened. Now, this has been interesting because Patrick Laine has had a very inauspicious start with the Blue Jackets. He came, started out, played the first game, didn't do a whole lot, but then he got a goal in the next game, and the next thing you know, he's getting benched in the third period, getting the Pierre-Luc Dubois treatment. Now, why is that? Why did that happen? Now, I don't know exactly why. Or pardon me, I do know exactly why. Now, I don't know exactly what caused Patrick Laine to get into it with one of the assistant coaches for Columbus. However, Patrick Laine came out and after that and said, hey, I did what I did, and I was wrong. I can't. I should, I'm not going to do that again. I'll make sure it won't happen again. So, I guess message was received, which is interesting because obviously we saw how the last time a star player was benched in Columbus, Pierre Dubois, who was finally actually playing with Winnipeg, and he's saying that he can play better. But of course, he had to sit for two weeks in a hotel room. I mean, gosh, I don't even know what it's like to sit in a hotel room for two days, let alone two weeks to try to just make sure you can stay healthy. Now, actually, pardon me, not a hotel room, a house. I forgot to mention that. It was it was a house. Initial report that he was in, a, was in a hotel, but they actually put him in a house where he was able to actually train and stay in shape. So that's obviously a good thing there. But now he's back playing again. It may take him a minute to actually get back into the swing of things, back in, into actual game shape. But regardless, he'll be, a dec- he'll be a real big part of this Winnipeg Jets team that currently is hanging in there in the in that North division, which people are talking about as, you know, maybe being a juggernaut, which has Maple, Toronto and Montreal. Winnipeg sitting fourth right now, one point behind Edmonton, who is in third, two points ahead of Calgary, who is in fifth. Ottawa is just down there in seventh, and that's just kind of accepted at this point. Vancouver, though, is in 14th. So from one to six, it's, I don't say wide open, but playoff spots are at grasps. Right now, Montreal and Toronto seemingly running away with it at this point. At least that's what people are considering it as. So we'll just have to keep our eyes and ears open on that. The North Division is wide open right now. But with that, I think we'll take a break. We'll come back and got the Islanders and Sabres on right now. Unfortunately, we lost the feed to the Toronto and Ottawa game. Sorry, Dad. I know you were so, so into that game. But when we come back, we'll be talking with Peyton Turnage. We'll be talking about the National Predators, the Alabama Huntsville Chargers, and How about the Daytona 500? We'll talk about that finish a little bit. Yes, we're a hockey show. I promise you. We're more than just 
corgi butts and happy times and wives storming into the show. We're more than that, I promise. We'll come back with more of the Kila Show here on 12 on Sports right after this. And welcome back, everyone, inside the Kula Show. Tyler Kuehl here, the insider of the insiders, here on this Monday, February the 15th for another episode of TKS. we got the Islanders and Sabres on now because someone felt like taking down the stream to watch the Leafs game. Now, yes, that means I was watching it illegally, but guess what? Who cares? Who's counting? Who's really? Who's the bot out there that's job is to take down streams so some of us that don't want to pay 250 bucks for NHL.TV to watch hockey? My goodness. The people, the actual gall of some people. So with that, let's bring in our guest now as the screen just randomly just kind of reappeared. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show for the sixth time, I think it is. Ladies and gentlemen, the play-by-play voice of Alabama Huntsville and also a member of Penley Box Radio, Peyton Turnage. Peyton, how are you doing today, sir? I'm good. Do you have a uh, six-timer shirt in the waiting? Uh, No, not yet. We need to have a little bit of a bigger cast for that one. <laughs> As of right now, it's just you, Cody Jansen, Harrison Watt, and Thomas Biondo in that club as of right now. Uh, by the way, world's, game, world's Longest Game.ca, you see it right down there in the middle. Go out there and donate $1.84 million. Let's get them to $2 million for cancer research, both in Alberta. And also, there's a group in Buffalo that's going to be playing an outdoor game as well. Be sure to get on there, World's Longest Game.ca. Sorry, Peyton, I got to do that. Got to make sure we keep plugging it. Got to get the word out, right? Never apologize for trying to beat cancer, ever. Never, never. Because I was telling them how my wife's family's had experience with cancer, mine as well. Um, have you ever had personal experiences with cancer? Absolutely. Uh, you know, and I don't really know too many people that, that haven't, to be honest. Um, I actually lost my grandfather to cancer um, a handful of years ago. Um, you know, I've had several family members affected by it. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's a huge deal in my family, for sure. Yeah, that's why people should go on there. World's Longest Game. Now, we brought Peyton to talk about hockey, of course, because, A, we are a hockey show. We'll talk about Alabama Huntsville and Justin and the Nashville Predators, who are in a reverse retro battle tonight against Dallas. I'll get to that a little bit. Of course, we had Peyton Turnage. Remember, you guys remember when those reverse retros came out where we graded all of them, so we'll obviously have those takes as well. But, Peyton, we're going to start off with something that happened yesterday. And by yesterday, I mean, I think it ended before midnight. <laughs> The Daytona 500 happened yesterday, and Peyton and I are both big race fans. Love the race. And I before we get to the finish, Peyton, can we just, just schedule the Daytona 500s on Monday now? Because I feel like someone out there doesn't want that race to happen on a Sunday afternoon anymore. I'll make it a lot easier for you. Just go back to the old days where you throw the green flag at noon. Uh, that's... Seem to work in the past with these TV partners for some reason like to have the later start. Well, it's really because of the West Coast. They want the Californians to not watch the race in the morning, uh, which I get. But then when you have chances for weather, you know, in in Florida, for instance, uh, you know, thunder showers seem to develop more in the afternoon. So having started at noon, there was a great chance they could have gotten all 500 miles in before the rain. It's so weird because I'm trying to think of the last Daytona 500 that actually ended in daylight. I, I'm i trying to think. Maybe it was Jimmy Johnson's win in 06, maybe? In uh, Jimmy Johnson's win in 2013, I believe, was it was in daylight. Uh, oh, I'm trying okay. to think of any others. Oh, well, there was the uh, photo finish between Martin Truex and Denny Hamlin in 2016. That that was definitely the last one. Oh, that's right. Yeah, because there was no real long delay. There was the big one or whatever, but that was a great finish. 
the race yesterday though, because I I was able to catch most of it. I dozed off for about half of it because I had my I since I had a game yesterday, I didn't get my two o'clock Sunday nap. It ended up being like a six o'clock Sunday nap. But the the ending to the race was ridiculous. It was, of course, I mean, you had Logano out in front and Michael McDowell sitting there in third. And people are like, Michael McDowell, what's he doing up there? And I texted you earlier today. I'm like, the super speedways are a trump card. I mean, there's no reason that Ricky Stenhouse should ever win a NASCAR race, a cup race. But however, he wins at Talladega because super speedways are dumb that way. And of course, Michael McDowell wins. Was it oh, and 257 starts for him that he finally won a race or something like that? Something like that. But actually, when it comes to these super speedway races at Daytona and Talladega, that 34 car is actually uh, most times out at the front. You know, they, they struggle a lot at other tracks, but for some reason, uh, at the super speedways, they've, they've got a good package together and he's great behind the wheels. So it was great to see him finally get the win yesterday. And now did now you tweeted this out and I have to agree with you because some people are like, why don't you let him race back to the line? Because I believe, wasn't it? Because didn't Hamlin get a good run after that wreck and a passing? Uh, Chase Elliott and Austin Dillon went three wide with McDowell coming off turn four. And you had a mix of people trying to race back to the flag and and the caution coming out and wanting to back off, too. So it was really confusing. And of course, NASCAR had to go back and look and see the moment of caution. And and McDowell was out in front of Chase Elliott. I really thought they were going to let Chase Elliott pass McDowell and then throw the caution. I really thought it was going to turn out that way. Because you see that sometimes where, because we've seen time, I remember the one that always sticks out in my mind is Logano, or no, Kevin Harvick beating Mark Martin back in 08 because there was a big wreck that Kyle Busch was actually in behind them as they were coming into the trioval, but they let him go because the race was too close, and it just seemed like at that point you couldn't throw a yellow flag. Do you think if that happens more into turn four, they let them race to the line, or do you think that would have been no matter what they were going to try to throw the yellow before they got anywhere close to the finish line? It just depends on the circumstances. When you have Brad Keselowski's car bounce off the catch fence and burst into flames and Austin Cindric piles in him and he bursts into flames. That's when you got to throw the caution. There's a lot of instances where I think it's okay to race back. Uh, I think of an Xfinity race back in, I believe it was 2016 where cars were spinning on the back stretch and Eric, Eric Elmerola was side by side with Justin Allgaier. And, you know, all they had to do was race like 500 more yards to the finish line, but they threw the caution and had to figure out who was in front then. But it just depends on context, how serious the accident is behind them. Yeah, that, that does make sense. Cause safety is a big thing. And especially at, at those super speedways where guys are literally inches from each other going 195, sometimes 200 miles an hour if the draft is right. And I think you, you also, didn't you also tweet that Bobby Allison won the, was it the 82 500 without a rear bumper? Uh, that is correct. Uh, something that you can't do anymore. You cannot race without your rear bumper. Well, I remember, I and I, I almost tweeted you back at this, Hunter Payton, because I remember, because back in those days, back before they had something called restrictor plates, cars would just go all flat out. But then the 1987 Die Hard, was it, or I don't know if it was the Die Hard 500 or the, whatever the Talladega 500 Winston was. 500. Was it, oh, it was the Winston 500 when Bobby Allison decided he was just going to fly <laughs> into the catch fence and just take out half of it. And after that, cause that, that, that was the year that Bill Elliott, I think was went like 210 miles an hour in qualifying. And they were like every lap, like Dale Earnhardt's going 206 and Bill Elliott's going 207 right now in traffic and all this stuff. And then 
then Bobby Allison went airborne and like, you know, this is kind of dangerous guys. Maybe we should slow these guys down a little bit. And it, it changed racing forever. It did. And it created the, uh, nose to nose, uh, nose to tail action that we, we know today. It's definitely evolved a lot over time. And now you're seeing these giant packs, uh, everyone racing close together. It's exciting, but we've just seen over the past few years that it just seems mandatory for that, for them to have, you know, multiple cars wrecking in the Daytona 500. I think on average, the past four Daytona 500s, there have been 30 out of 40 cars involved in accidents. So I don't know what you do. I, I might think, or my thinking on it is when you bring in the next generation car next season, that you find a car that you can slingshot around someone, you know, you're in a pack, but you're not really necessarily having to push the person in front of you. You can, run freely and make moves as you can. So hopefully they, they redevelop that um, coming into next year. And I, I really hate to say this because, and this is going to pertain to my next question, but the reason why a lot of this happens and why the pack racing became a real thing is because the 2000 Daytona 500 was one of the most boring ones ever. And the man who can compl- really voice his opinion about it, how, how bad the race was, was Dale Earnhardt, which takes me to this next question. This is the, this week, would be the 20th anniversary of the 2001 Daytona 500. Peyton, I think you and I discussed this off air before long ago, but where were you when that race happened, when Dale Earnhardt wrecked in turn four? I was seven years old. I was watching the race with my family at my grandmother's house. And when the accident happened, I really didn't think anything of it. I thought, well, there, there goes the old intimidator. I guess he's going to try again next year. Had no clue until maybe about eight o'clock that night uh, when my mom called me and let me know. And, you know, for a, a kid like me, that was just a real reality check, um, you know, and, and just devastating for, for every race fan on planet Earth. I, I honestly, I, cause I was thinking about this thing, cause I knew I was gonna ask you about it because I'm trying, I, and I talked to my dad about this many times. Like, I don't think I ever experienced death. Like before that moment, I was five. I was one week away from turning. I was a few days away from turning six years old, but I'd never experienced that because Dale was my driver. He was many people's driver. And I thought just like you and probably like every other person watching the race. Okay. You know, this is, Oh, it's Dale. He got hit hard. Okay. Whatever. But as soon as he saw the ambulance and, and I remember my mom was sitting there watching because usually my mom will watch the race, but it, as soon as it's over, she'll go away. When my mom sits on the couch for a long period of time watching the television, you know something's wrong. And that's when, of course, Mike Helton came out later and said, you know, said those ominous words. And I'm just like, it still chills me to this day because I still look back at that wreck and I'm just like, why aren't you racing, Dale? Every time. And I'm like, it's not going to happen. He's going to keep pushing forward because in the pack racing, I know we're, and this is a hockey show. I promise folks, you're just tuning in here on 12 ounce sports, but I still watch that race. And I look back at it. I'm like, had Dale stuck with the pace. It's a whole different story. It's just Michael Walter winning his first race and that's it. But Dale had the ability and the power to let off and hold that pack back away from junior and Michael. And it still chills me to this day that Dale Earnhardt was making sure that his two cars were going to win the race, but at that cost. And it still hurts because I know Dale was not racing to win. That's what still kills me all these years later. He was the intimidator. He was the gruff driver that was, uh, you know, you just, you feared him on the racetrack, but leading into that season, um, he had had 
neck surgery. He'd had a large neck issue for several years before that that really hindered his ability. Uh, he had surgery, and things were a lot better. Uh, Dale Jr. had started racing. His company, DEI, had taken off, and you could see that his heart had really softened, softened, and he was more content with life. And I think we were really starting to get to know the true Dale Earnhardt right before he passed. It's uh, undoubtedly a tragedy, and just, you know, it's never easy when anyone goes, but the timing of it just could not be more, uh, you know, tough to bear because, uh, you know, things were really uh, going in his favor and his family's favor. And it's, you know, the sports just simply not been the same without him. No, that's for sure. It started off a very bad year, 2001 for a lot of us. I just, and I still look back at that because if I always suggest people watch Dale, the movie, it's a movie that pretty much chronola, you know, goes through his career and there's this scene that he's getting interviewed while he's fishing on a pond on his on his land, wearing a polo shirt, a good uh, a GM Goodwrench polo shirt, albeit, but that was obviously before. And you could just tell in that interview that he was just, you know, he's content with life. And I'm like, that that that's the worst part. I'm like, man, it had uh it's it 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 hurts. It still hurts. I know it's been 20 years, and you know, I was five years old. You said you were seven. How you know how people get over things like that? Well. Some things you just can't pay, and that's that's one thing that will always stick with me. And I don't know, I don't know if you feel the same, but that's my story for that. It's the hurt of what could have been, for sure. I mean, there would have been so many things different. Um, you know, DEI would have been a powerhouse. There's no telling if Bill Earnhardt Jr. would have won a championship or several championships. The sport overall, I, you know, I, I'm not sure how how it would have been different, but it definitely would have changed. The only thing that you know, the only positive that came out of it was that there was a higher emphasis on safety. And had there not been, you know, maybe Dale wouldn't have passed, but someone else would have, a star of the sport. What if we had lost a Jeff Gordon or a Tony Stewart? Um, so if you take the, the tragedy of everything, but you take the one positive that we've not had a single fatality in the top three series of NASCAR since. Yeah, I, that that is the one thing is like the positive change that came out of it. Back to hockey here as we stop reminiscing about the probably the worst day for some people's lives. World's Longest Game.ca, by the way. Islanders and Sabres on the TV here in the studio. Islanders up 2 nothing. What a shocker. Even though Buffalo's outshoot the Islanders 12-8. to Let's talk about the Alabama-Huntsville Chargers a little bit here, Peyton, the team that you broadcast for. They're 2-9-1 this season. Both wins coming up against Ferris State. However, they've showed at times that they can be a team that's hang- that can hang in there with some of the better teams. Tell us a little bit about the Chargers. How have you seen them this year, despite, you know, the record? I mean, they're not last in the WCHA, but, you know, there have been a couple games that have been tough. They just came off a real rough weekend against a Minnesota State team that, by goodness, can look like they're looking like a national championship contender right now. How have the Chargers looked in your eyes this year, Peyton? Well, of course, everybody's known the story of the team uh, being canceled and then everyone raising the funds to bring the team back. But in that process, the team lost a lot of players due to transfer. So they had to scrap together a team, uh, you know, last minute, basically, with, um, you know, half half the team's made of freshmen. So Lance West has come in in his first season with the Chargers, which, you know, I've been talking with some of the alumni, and really it's been a long time coming. Uh, they believe that West should have been the coach all along. And he's got a really a defensive-minded system. When you when you have a team that doesn't have a whole lot of top-end talent, you just got to be that team that's tough to play against, kind of like the Columbus Blue Jackets. And so that's kind of reflective of what we've seen on the schedule as you look at the scores up and down. 
uh, throughout the season. They've been in a lot of close games and held in there. Uh, it, it feels like the, the home schedule had just begun, and now it, you know there's already one game remaining. Uh, they did have, after the uh, sweep against Ferris State on January 8th and 9th, then they lost three straight weekends because of multiple COVID cases across the team. And the uh, the team suspended activities for more than two weeks. So that's really, um, you know, gotten them off on a hitch, basically. And, and they've had a hard time recovering since. Uh, as I look back, you know, before the Minnesota State weekend, they played against Michigan Tech at home, lost 3-1 and then 4-1. Again, they stayed close, but um, got heavily outshot. And it's just really been a matter of, of figuring their game out again. Man, I'll tell you, that was one thing because we I did the game with Harrison when Tech came to play us on on Ferris State on at Tuesday and they were traveling back up from Huntsville before they haven't even gotten home yet at that point. And David Fessenden just put in a mount, uh, just this incredible workload on Friday and, you know, really held the Chargers in that game. And that's kind of been the case for a lot of the games this season as they've, they've been outshot at times, but they got guys that have been able to produce. I mean, you have Tyrone Bronte, who's put up 10 points, Bauer Newdecker, Tier Thompson, Dane Finson. Those guys are helping out. You know, who's really been the star of the team this year outside of the goaltending, who's obviously been more at the forefront of the play just based on the teams they played so far this year? Undoubtedly, it's been that first guy you mentioned, Tyrone Bronte, the freshman out of Australia. Uh, that was another one of those last-second additions. He actually... Uh, I was talking with him on the weekend. This was something I didn't know about. He had actually uh, decommitted from Bemidji, and as I did some research on it, he had committed to them back in November of 2017. So you can imagine, uh, you know, what he went through having to make that change. And he was talking about some of the uh, social and psychological aspects of having to make um, that big of a decommitment. But he obviously saw the opportunity to help out a program that was hurting and and to become a top center. And he's looked like a natural fit. I mean, he is just, you know, high and above, you know, everybody on, on this team. And he's just been phenomenal, very skilled player and just makes all the right plays. So Tyron Bronte has been a star and we've really been blessed to have him in, uh, in Huntsville. And we talked about David Fessenden coming uh, into this conversation, the goaltender, the sophomore, he's six foot six, but unfortunately uh, last Friday night against Minnesota state, he actually, suffered a lower body injury and it was so brutal that he actually had to be dragged off the ice. Like he couldn't even put um, any weight on his lower extremities and uh, had a hard time walking off once he got in the tunnel. So if he's out long-term, that's a, that's a huge loss for the chargers as they go into their final eight games of the year. And they have a couple of real tough games too. I mean, Northern Michigan is a team that's only won one game outside of playing Ferris state this year. That's going to be this up actually tomorrow excuse me, up in Marquette. Then you go up against Lake State, who is looking like a team just quietly going to be a top three or top four team in the conference. And then Bowling Green at the Von Braun Center, home and home against Bowling Green, by the way. That is a team, Tom, or Peyton. I almost said Thomas, or I almost said Harrison, then Thomas. I'm so used to talking to my, the play-by-play guys I usually work with. But Bowling Green, Peyton, is terrifying. To I mean, the only team that's really been able to answer to them is Bemidji or Minnesota State. Bowling Green's got this wicked offense, and you're going to need a good goaltender to step up. So, really, outside of Fessenden, who do you think is the guy that can really take on the brunt of like, take a big workload and been able to give the Chargers a chance? Who do you think that guy's going to be? Well, the process of elimination, you're only left with Derek Crawl and George McVay, and Derek Crawl has gotten 
uh, more of the starts. McVay only played one game against Robert Morris in the opening weekend, and that was due to a David Fessenden injury. But uh, Crawl is a freshman, and you know he's had a tough time. But he did look solid though at times when he had to come in against Minnesota State, which you know obviously the Mavericks outshot the Chargers tremendously. And and watching that game, Minnesota State just wore down UAH, finishing every check, playing amazing positional hockey, uh, always having sticks in the right places at the right times to to take away passing opportunities and. When I walked by the team leaving the building that Friday night, they were all sitting out in the hallway and not even talking or looking at each other. They were all just flat out exhausted. So hopefully they learn from this from, from when uh, Bowling Green comes to town. Uh, again, Derek Crawl, he's no Fessenden. He doesn't have the size that Fessenden does, but he is pretty solid. This is just going to be more about surviving to the end of the year. I think everybody recognizes the season, not so much as a throwaway season, but just kind of a rebuilding season. Uh, a way for the freshmen on this team to learn and to build something for next year and bring in another crop of talented freshmen and just something to build off of uh, as time goes on. Because, I mean, with like you said, this program was for, for well, about a week, I would say. A week was not going to happen. So a lot of players are like, well, if we're not going to be able to play, let's find a team now. And that's where you lost Sinclair and you lost a couple other big-name talents. And that, that's obviously a very tough part for any program, let alone Alabama Huntsville, who has unfortunately had the history of struggling to get grade A talent, at least for recruiting wise, because Alabama Huntsville has been a program that at times has not been able to get those top guys that can make them a competitive team. I mean, probably arguably the best alumni from Alabama Huntsville was Cam Talbot back in the CHA days. Long, well, it was, gosh, that was a long time ago now that I think about it, but Obviously, the fact that now people on the outside of Alabama Huntsville on, in the college hockey landscape, they see the program like, all right, there is people backing this program now. There's people that want this program to succeed. That's got to at least help them recruit, you know, a little bit more as, you know, as the future kind of comes along, you would think. Right, Peyton? Absolutely. I think everyone, you know, everyone loves an underdog and everyone loves a good comeback story. And, and UAH is just that. And you know, I think about them and everything they went through, and then I think about our friends up north, the Alaska Anchorage uh, Sea Wolves, and 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 all they're going through, um, you know, to bring that program back. And I think for sort of like the Tyrone Bronte story, uh, for people who know they can can be a top contributor, uh, to find an opportunity, and I think UAH uh, provides provides that chance. That would be certainly interesting. I wonder how. It's going to work out. As of right now, Alaska Fairbanks has announced that they're going to have a season for next year. Obviously, the big, the the hard part in all this is now the fact that Anchorage and Fairbanks and Huntsville are going to be without a conference next season with the reformation of the CH or the CCHA. Has there been any word or any inkling of what Alabama Huntsville is going to do next year? I mean, because obviously that's the big question and that's the big thing that. A lot of people are saying that Alabama Huntsville needs is they can find a solid home in a conference that can help them with their longevity. Because as of right now, they're only kind of, I don't say they're only standing for 10 years, but at least that's when, you know, the big donation came through and all the big money that was raised. It's going to hold the program for 10 years. Obviously, being able to stay in a conference, that's going to help out quite a bit. Has there been any word on any of that, Peyton? The team is really going to struggle as an independent. I, you know, argue that. 
team cannot survive as an independent. As far as the conference goes, um, from what I've heard, the, the Save UAH group has, has been in negotiations with the CCHA and Atlantic Hockey. I'm not sure how far those talks have progressed, and uh, but those, seems, those seem to be the only two options at this point. Uh, you know, I would like for them to be in the CCHA. I, I love the old um, rivalries with the teams in the Midwest, you know, the Northern Michigans, the, the Ferris States. You know, obviously I'd like to work with you and Harrison more. Uh, but, you know, Atlantic Hockey would provide a, a new unique challenge as well, um, facing some teams that they haven't either played before or haven't at least seen in a long time. So I think, you know, either of those options are fine. I mean, no matter what, you know, no matter what conference you're in, your opponents are going to have to travel pretty far to come to you, which the team is willing to provide travel subsidies to, to anybody that comes in. So um, it's just a matter of, of what conference is willing to accept them at this point. And that's where I turns me to the question of the SEC, because there is the rank that's getting built down in Ath- or over in Athens, Georgia, the $34 million rank that these, that the university is putting together to build an arena all signs are pointing towards maybe Georgia becoming a team with that case because you yourself, you do, I mean, you've done games with Penny Box Radio down there. SEC hockey, while it's an ACHA sport right now, it's pretty fun and entertaining hockey. Very much so. And it's because of, I mean, I was going to say because of the fans, but, you know, the players themselves bring it as well. Uh, it's very passionate and it's basically the hockey equipment uh, equivalent of SEC football. When you come, to Nashville for the SECHC tournament. I mean, you are coming to a show. There's no doubt about it. Uh, that's been honestly the biggest gaping hole this year that, that we aren't able to have the, the tournament this year. That's something that uh, myself and everyone involved with Tony Box Radio uh, looks forward to every year. It's 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 my favorite thing to do each year. So yeah, imagine that on a D1 level. Uh, you know, I can see a team like Georgia joining in. I don't see. You know Vanderbilt's kind of iffy when it comes to their to their sports, but imagine a Georgia, an Ole Miss, a Florida, Tennessee. It's doable. It might take, I mean, at the very least five years. Uh, but I do think you're going to see possibly some some momentum uh, built that way, and and perhaps Georgia is the the team that gets it all started. I know Alabama has because we played Alabama at the Division Three level when I played at Davenport, and they turned it into a Division One program. Now, if I'm not mistaken, and you know that would be something. If I mean, I think the football team makes enough money that could just give it just a little bit of a slim down there for Tuscaloosa down in Alabama just to get another team. Because then, boom, there you go, Peyton. You have yourself an in-state rivalry. Something I'm pretty sure people at UAH never thought they'd ever get, but that would be interesting, right? Go up against Roll Tide in hockey. Well, they did drop their their D one club team, so they are back to D three again. Oh, okay. They just uh, joined the SECHC for this the season, which of course was canceled. But you know, that's another team that if they went D one, they would get an unbelievable following nationwide. I got to think, you know, because their football program is so big. Now, I want to correct you on something real oh, quick, boy. Tyler. I okay. heard you say something earlier in the show. I heard you say that I'm from Alabama. Did I say from <laughs> Alabama? You oh. didn't say from Alabama. Oh, I meant down. Well, no, 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 no. You live. I'm sorry, because I know you're. I know you're from. You're from Missouri. That's where you're from. From Missouri. Yeah, I, I'm so sorry. Yeah. If I said from, here's I the, meant you're down. Here's there. the shocking. Here's the shocking revelation I realized though earlier this week. I have spent lived most of my adult life since 2011 in the state of Kentucky. Like it's over 
I think seven and a half years worth. So, so maybe I'm just from everywhere. You're from you're from the south. Payton Turnage yes. from the south. By yes, the way, uh, quick breaking news that I missed out: the Toronto Maple Leafs acquire Alex Galchenyuk from the Carolina Hurricanes for Igor Korshkov and David Warsawski. So there's a trade that happened. Really? Yeah, it happened just about half hour or a little over an hour ago now. Actually, I just got the alert on there, which is humorous because Alex Galchenyuk was just on waivers. Why? <laughs> it's another one of those things with, I think just Kyle Dubas must not have been looking at the wire. Cause I remember when they got Calvin Pickard all those years ago, that he was on waivers, but they decided to trade it for him. But I'm like, you had the opportunity, but I, I, I guess they wanted to get rid of some bodies, I guess, for Galchenyuk, which is interesting. Cause now Galchenyuk has played for both of Leafs rivals, both Montreal and Ottawa. And I'm pretty sure that'll make it a little bit interesting, but that's just why, you know, if you, that's the thing I don't get Peyton is we're kind of turn things out to the NHL side of things. If you're a general manager, you see a guy in waivers, they think, Hey, this would be kind of a cool guy. You know, once you try to think about it a little bit faster, if he's on waivers, you know, to get him for free. Well, I just don't understand. I mean, yeah, you're correct about that, but I'm not sure why Toronto feels like they need to acquire him when they already have a litany of forwards. Um, I haven't kept up though. Are they, they have any injury troubles going on right now or well joe thornton just came back wayne simmons got he broke his hand he's out for that's right he's out yes. for a few weeks but you know that's not the guy you fill the role with for wayne simmons wayne simmons is the big tough guy wayne trained simmons from scarborough gal Chenyak's not the guy you fill that role with but i i mean if you just want more i guess i mean because when you can get rid of a guy or you can put a guy like nick patan on the taxi squad and have him come back into the lineup, or whatever, or Jason Spezza have him come in and out of the lineup. But I would think you'd want more defensemen. I mean, the Leafs have so many bodies, and I, it's the it's the best slash worst problem to have when you have too many players on a team that you can just put guys in and out of the lineup. If anything, I think you'd try to get after a goaltender if Jack Campbell can't come back anytime soon, because obviously now they're looking at the possibility of playing Ottawa three times the next four nights, and Michael Hutchinson will have to play a game, which Toronto Maple Leafs Twitter is probably ready to lose their darn minds over that. But I just, I, I don't know. Cause there's, there's bodies that you don't need. That's just a move that it's a question. I don't know if it, I mean, if it works, if Galchenyuk all of a sudden comes out and scores four points in five games, but that's implying that he plays. <laughs> I mean, geez, Galchenyuk, I don't say he's washed up, but he's not the same Galchenyuk when he was in Montreal, but Payton, let's get over onto the page, no pun intended, the turnage page. Let's turnage the page to the Nashville Predators. The Can we not? <laughs> I are you sure? No, we we gotta mention it because I you know, I, I remember I actually was I had a back and forth with with Pete Weber a couple weeks ago because I was talking about getting him on the show, but they had four Wednesdays in a row, so we had to off it. I'm like, you know, what's it like calling games for this team? And he's like, it's been a while that the Predators are I mean just I mean they're a team that's just above Detroit in the bottom of the division what what's it like what's so much different this year because they went from team that was at least in the qualifying round or in a kind of a hunt for a playoff spot to falling towards the bottom what has made this year so much different from years past well I gotta say first off this team is so hard to watch they are so boring I feel like I'm doing homework when I watch this team. Uh, it's really been a slog and quite a few nights. I haven't watched them to be honest. I, I didn't watch the series against Detroit, but then again, I was calling games. Uh, this is just a team that 
you know, David Poyle thought they were more than they were coming out of the 2017 Stanley Cup final. And you've just seen it little by little, piece by piece, that the team has just run out of steam. Uh, a lot of fans anticipated going into the season, including myself, that they should have gone on a youth movement and played guys like Yakov Trenin, uh, Ily Tolvanen, and uh, Rem Pitlick, maybe even Philip Tomasino, bring those guys in and play them regularly. But instead, they decided to sign Eric Halla and Nick Cousins and Brad Richardson for whatever reason and and bring back uh, Mikhail Gremlin. And it's just simply not working. This is just kind of just a, a mixed bag of, of warm bodies. And, you know, each night it just feels like Philip Forsberg goes out there and says, well, I guess I have to do it myself. Um, <laughs> I'm looking at the, the lines from the last game against Detroit. The top line starting out was Phil Forsberg and Victor Arvidsson, centered by Luke Cunning. <laughs> and then you had Callie Yarncroke on the second line with Duchesne and Gramlin. And then you don't see Tolvanen until you look at the third line where he's with Holla and Cousins. And meanwhile, you've got Jared Tenorti playing second line minutes with Dante Fabro. The, the team is just broken. And I don't know how much I can blame on John Hines. I'm, I never really was a big fan of John Hines, John Hines coming in. And it's not so much that he was hired. It's that David Poyle rushed to hire him. Didn't even consider anyone else. Just brought him in almost immediately. And it's just simply not gone well at all. So this is a team that um, really needs to start trading off its dead weight. Uh, gain some assets because, you know, you just heard some of those names I, I named off earlier. Uh, Tolvin and Tomasino, Pitlick. Uh, there's also Alex Carrier and, and, and Jeremy Davies. That's it as far as top-level, you know, if you want to call them NHL-ready prospects go. Those and guys really, – oh, sorry. About that's not great. <laughs> that's not great. It's not great at all. But the, but the thing is, like, Tomasino was such a good junior player. Tolvanen came in with a lot of expect, expectations as well. And Pitlick can be still be a guy, I think. But if you don't play them, how are you ever going to know? And by the way, Payne, I'm going to inform you that I made sure I changed your title to not just the Alabama Huntsville play-by-play guy, but disgruntled Preds fan. <laughs> Cause I, Thank you. Because I've got to make sure that everyone knows. Uh, I just it's, – it's tough because you see it all the time. And I think this – I'm not saying the Preds suffered – the Detroit Red Wings syndrome, because the difference between the Red Wings and the Preds was that the Red Wings after the last cup in 08, at least had a few more years in the playoffs, this Preds team. And now whether or not, because don't forget that 08 team, it, the salary cap was not the same as it was after the 2013 lockout. So obviously there's that, that could have been a key factor in this, but they've just kind of fallen off. But what move do you think would need to be made to signal the full scale rebuild because as of right now they haven't done anything yet. They still have Duchesne. They still have, like you said, they signed resigned Mikhail Granlin. They still have Roman Yossi and Forsberg, and they still have a lot of great talent. Yeah, but what move would be the big move? You know, speaking from a Leafs fans side, you know, the big move that said signaled the beginning of the rebuild, which lasted a whole two years in Toronto. But the one that signaled it was Dion Phaneuf getting traded. What move do you think would be the big? nail in the coffin saying, all right, this is it. We're going to stink. We're going to rebuild. What's that move? Well, I made a bold prediction in the summer that uh, Matthias Ekholm would look really good in deep blue and teal, meaning Seattle. But it's clear at this point that you've got to acquire assets for him. Uh, he's on a pretty lucrative deal. Two years still remaining on his contract at $3.75 million. 
And you think of how many possible contenders out there, as long as their cap allows, would love a talented left-handed shot like Matias Ekholm, who's an excellent two-way defender. So I think that is a smoking gun. Um, again, you look at guys like Granlund and Halla, who are only signed to one-year contracts. Brad Richardson, once he comes off injury, can be a veteran player uh, for a possible contender. He can win face-offs or see how effective he was for Arizona in the playoffs last year. And then I'll be shocked if the Preds look into trading Pecorine to a contender. I had a, I had a nightmare a few years back of Pecorine being traded to the Chicago Blackhawks. And now it's becoming more and more of a reality as the Blackhawks start to play better and they only have one talented goaltender and somewhat of a no-name in Kevin Lockinen. So you never say never. Right. But, well, here's the thing, though. What kind of a trade value can you get for a Pecorine right now? Because obviously he's not Pecorine from 2017. He's long from the Vesna candidate that he once was. I mean, do you think he could actually go to a contender? Because I'm trying to think of the last big goaltender trade that, you know, it was a deadline deal or of anything. Because I'm, I'm the only one that keeps coming to my mind right now. And it's kind of sad because it just did not work out in St. Louis at all was Ryan Miller back in 2014. But because you really don't see those moves anymore because a goaltender just going from a, you know, to a new team right before the playoffs only so often does it work. But I, do you think they'll, the Preds could get enough in return to make that trade valuable or make it worthwhile? You say that and then my brain starts getting flashbacks of Saturday night against Detroit and some of the goals that Pekka let in. So maybe you got a point there. I think it depends on the desperation of a team. Let's say. Now, this is hugely uh, dependent on the cap. Let's say Toronto loses Freddie Anderson, and it's okay. Oh, don't Jack do that. Campbell is out long term. You know, like that's what we're looking at. And then, you know, they would maybe move heaven and earth to get a former Vezina goaltender to, you know, because this is definitely a, a big year for them. Uh, you know, I, I'd have to do, you know, a little more research to see, you know, who maybe could squeeze in a Peck Arena. I do think of a team like Chicago, which. You know, trading Rene to there would be just absolute blasphemy. But again, never say never. But you make a point. I mean, Rene's got to pick up his game a little bit. I mean, he's at uh, a 907 save percentage, but he still outplayed UC Soros. They both played the same amount of games. They faced a similar amount of shots. Rene's at 907 and Soros is at 880. So along with the team in front of them, the goaltending has been a mess. That's something that's been the problem for the last couple of years. And that's what really did him in against in the series against Arizona. I mean, you thought maybe Saros could have really made that jump, but as we've seen, he's, I don't know if he'll ever at this point in his development, if he can ever develop into a number one full-time NHL goaltender. So, I mean, and I, the, the, the only saving grace Peyton is if you want to go full rebuild, as we have seen with the Rangers. And of course, like I talk about the Maple Leafs, how they literally had a, a, year maybe a year and a half rebuild they were able to pull it off the rangers are maybe not the best this year but they're heading in the right direction and the only team that's really not been able to get out of a rebuild is buffalo so as long as you don't follow the pajula way of things you should be okay so i guess that's the only saving grace is that in the cap era with teams having to get rid of players i mean gosh pittsburgh had to get rid of patrick hornquist was always such a big part of that team and and the penguins have suffered because of it since that's the, probably the best part is that no matter what, if Poyle says, all right, let's blow the whole thing up in about three to four years, 
the Preds should be good again with this current format the NHL is in, especially with the flat cap now, too, for the next couple of years. You were talking about Buffalo, and uh, yeah, it turns out professional hockey players don't want to deal with lake effect snow. Uh, that seems to be a big downer. And I meant to mention this earlier because you'll love what I'm about to say here. I would look at this Preds team and I would compare them to the Muskoka five Toronto Maple Leafs of 2007 and 2008. Oh gosh. A team that had overplayed their hand and sign in signing veterans, not having enough youth and paying the absolute price for it. Yep. That, that does sound about right. Cause I mean, geez, how can Andrew Raycroft get the most wins in O get the most wins in a team's history and not even make the playoffs, missed by one point, and the next year just absolutely pooped the snoot. And though man, that just turned into half a decade of Leafs futility. Make the playoffs in 2013, have Game Seven happen, and then a few more years of futility. I mean, it's that's how it was because that Leafs team. I don't know how good they would have been, but the 0405 Toronto Maple Leafs were looking pretty good. Ronnie Francis, Brian Leach. Eddie Bell for it. it would have been a bunch of veterans and they may have been knocked out in the first round, but at least that team would have made the playoffs, but the lockout happened and the Leafs stunk for a while after that. I mean, that's, but that's the thing though about the cap era now is that players are going to become available and they're going to have to take less money to go somewhere else because they're not going to, you know, especially with this flat cap because of this pandemic, it almost plays a hand into the favor of a team that's going to rebuild because players you know I, I don't know any names that are gonna be free agents off the top of my head here soon but they're not going to be able to afford to be playing on the teams that they're currently on now so they'll have to go somewhere else to a nashville that's going to have to take them less money because nashville's going to be only able to give up so much money so that may help in the future maybe now like i said hindsight's 2020 we don't know what it's going to be like in three to four years yet i think the time do you think the time is now for david paul i'm like all right let's just start now start early so we'll be better sooner do you think that's what they should do down in nashville if he doesn't then i think soon we'll be talking about david Poyle no longer being the gm now i don't think he would ever be fired under any circumstance but i think they would say okay we're going to keep you as director of hockey operations president of hockey operations but we got to bring in someone under you um as the gm and you know you you uh, mentor them and and help them uh, become the next man. Uh, I think you're going to see talks of that start to pick up uh, pretty soon, especially with the way that the team is going. Uh, I don't know if you've heard the stat. Adam Vigna came out with a an article on, in the Athletic a few weeks ago. Do you know where Matt Duchesne and Ryan Johansson rank as far as the top paid uh, one-two center combos in the league? So like combined salaries? Yes. I, uh, I'm going to well, there's Toronto and Edmonton. So that puts him behind them. I'm going to say fourth. Pretty close. Fifth ah. they're behind. They're behind in, in no particular order. Uh, you got obviously Matthews Tavares. Yep. McDavid Dreisaitl. Right. Crosby Malkin. Oh yeah. And then Kuznetsov Backstrom. Which is funny. And then there's Ryan Johansson and Matt Duchesne. One of these things is not like the others. Somewhere Big Bird's like, yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> Holy cow. <laughs> like, I'll say this. Ryan Johansson a few years ago, yeah, he was good. And Matt Duchesne, gosh, when he was before the whole saga with Joe Sackick happened, he was one of the top, he was one of the best underrated centers in the league. 
And and when I I think that when Duchesne signed that contract, because Duchesne at the end of his time in Ottawa and in the brief time he was with Columbus, you saw that he was not the same Matt Duchesne that when he got traded from Colorado. That was the last ditch ever, I think, for David Poyle to find one last big name center to think he could turn it around, but as we have seen, hasn't quite gone to plan. By the way, Peyton, I don't know if you just saw this. Breaking news. Stars Preds game postponed due to extreme oh. weather. Oh, oh, yeah. You know what? That makes sense. Yeah, they got a huge uh, snowstorm down in Texas. And then uh, here in Huntsville, we've had an ice storm. Now, uh, not it hasn't been too crazy throughout the day, but uh, we just had a heavy rain. And now we're going to have a hard freeze tonight. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that's interesting. I, I thought you were going to say COVID for a second. And so I was guess, I, I was, but... I, I had to read the, I had to click the article before I started going and I'm like, Oh my gosh, how could you have COVID again? No, but well, shoot. Did you see the, I think, was it you or someone else? Re- I, someone tweeted this out. It was a video taken by a local news reporter in Nashville. It was in a suburb. A guy was backing out of his driveway. I mentioned this yes. earlier on the show where the guy backed out and tried to move, but all of a sudden, cause he was on a, he was on a hill and just started sliding sideways down the road like straight black guys. It looks like a nice calm day, but it's just all of a sudden he starts flying down or sliding down this hill. And I'm like, and I'd remind people that, Oh my gosh, how can people just start freaking out in the South when it's just an inch of snow when you don't have salt trucks or snow plows or any other ice and snow removal machines, at least in bulk, it's very difficult to travel because <laughs> up here in Michigan, we have like, you can see at any time, like five on the same road together down in those states there's like five in an entire county right yeah pretty much it, it's slim uh slim pickings here as they say it kind of reminds me of the time that my brother and i were heading back from memphis to uh to where we're from in, in southeast missouri which means you have to drive through arkansas well we were driving back and a sudden winter storm hit us in a state that's very ill-prepared Oh, yeah. Uh, crawling along 25 miles an hour, watching people slide off the road left and right. And then I remember thinking, well, as soon as we cross the Missouri line, it'll be a lot better. No, way worse. <laughs> way worse. Oh, man. So that's, uh, that's just how it goes down here. Well, there was a funny story that I heard. It was uh, was when The Undertaker went on Stone Cold Steve Austin's podcast. And he talked about when he was back with, was it Mid-Atlantic or Smoky Mountain, whatever it was, they were driving across tennessee from i think memphis and Knoxville, wherever they lived and undertaker said it was the longest drive ever because they went on the highway 10 miles an hour and i'm like that makes sense because if you went any faster the car would be in the ditch because when it's pure ice like i mean people think people you know like oh well but how do zamboni stay on the ice well have you seen how fast the zamboni travels <laughs> plus there's no elevation change it stays on a flat plane, whereas when you're driving through Central and, and East Tennessee, Middle Tennessee, sorry, Middle and East Tennessee, there's tons of elevation changes. So, uh, yeah, I would uh, I would not envy the the Undertaker on on that drive. In fact, I'm sure the Undertaker would have taken me had I gone on that ride. Oh man, well it's funny because I I was talking about it because there was someone we have actually one of our we had a listener question. I was asking, how can this game go on? And I think it was a guy from Vegas, simply because of the fact that I saw a lot of his tweets were about Las Vegas. He said, how can the game go on tonight with 2 million people without power and whatnot? How can the game still go on? And I said, like, well, if the team is already there, if the team is there and they're able to get to the rink safely, 
but sit, and I, and I remember I mentioned Dallas too. I'm like, cause Dallas is allowing fans at the, at the American airlines center. And a limited capacity too. So, right. you know, if, if this was regular times and you were, you know, selling out the building each night, you'd have a much different situation. Which I wonder, like if, if Nashville is already there, would they be able to if they get to the rink? You think you'd be able to play the game? Because Dallas has already missed a few games. I know Nashville's schedule has been affected as well, and of course New Jersey has just come back due to COVID. You would think the I mean the NHL. I'm sure, like I said, if this was just six minutes ago, and the game would be ten minutes from now. By the way, because it was an eight thirty puck drop Eastern time, they would have tried every way to exhaust every option to play this game. Obviously, they determined it was not going to be safe. So I guess good move by the NHL. Just tough to see because we were going to have the reverse retro battle tonight, Peyton. We were going to have the National Predators and their yellows with the all white with a little bit of trim Dallas stars. Unfortunately, we're going to have to wait for another day for that monstrosity. <laughs> no, no, maybe not monstrosity, but I, I mean, because we, you know, I, we talked about the Preds, the Preds sweaters aren't the worst of the reverse retros, but I think they could have been done differently. That's just me though. And since we talked, I have I've fallen in love with the Preds reverse retro, and I envy any of my friends that that have one. Uh, it's not the best, but it's up there for me. And, and one thing that I've noticed with these reverse retros is like, okay, they look good in pictures. They might look up close, but do they pass the TV test? And I would say the Predators definitely have. One team that definitely has not, the New York Rangers. Oh, it's my just, gosh. It's just dark. There's no... They, they screwed up doing the gray outline on the numbers because the numbers don't stand out and you don't know who is, you know, who has the puck at times you're left to squint. Um, so that's one thing I've noticed for these reverse retros. They got to pass the TV test. Yeah. Well, that was the problem too. Cause I listened to Joe Bowen uh, during the first Edmonton Toronto game where they both were the reverse retros. And he said, those are uh, horrible, oh, man. They, I've, I, at first glance, I'm like, these are perfect. 1970s esque. And I watched them live and I'm like, why gray numbers? Who thought, cause I have my Mike Palmatier one in my closet right now, which is the, it's the white one of the old seventies one, but that, that's what it was based off of. And I'm like, you could have just done blue and white. You could have just done it. Nope. You got to do gray. Why does everyone want to do gray? Like they're like a lot of teams have added gray to their jerseys. I'm like, no, it just, it's not just, it just don't. Why are you even trying? It but, was awful with Toronto, but why of all the teams that did gray, why did Hartford slash Carolina do gray? Oh, I feel like they just ruined a wonderful uniform. Hey, you know what I've been saying? I've been saying you don't need, it just, it doesn't need to do reverse retro. Just re-release the retros. Just re-release them. Well, and like I said, the reason why they did the gray was because they had the gray in the last couple of years. They had like the dark blue and green and gray. So I think that's why, but I, it's it's not the worst. It looks good on a hoodie. We got that for Alex for Christmas. We got him the reverse retro hoodie of the Hartford or the Carolina Whalers. Excuse me, not Hartford. They're the Carolina Whalers because that's how all their other swag says it. But I will say this: Does it really say Carolina Whalers? Well, not on the sweater, but like if you look at their T-shirts, right, right, right. They say, right. They say yeah. some of them say Carolina Whalers. Obviously, there's, there's like the actual retro ones. But, Nasty. Yeah, I know. Well, it's fanatics, man. <laughs> Fanatics, oh, that's true. Ha- Fanatics has done a number on NHL merchandise, and I, I've I've accepted it because it's the only place where you can get the NHL sh- any, the official NHL stuff nowadays. You can get some off-brand stuff, but it may not be the best. I mean, there is like places like Everything Hockey, which puts out great, 
great merchandise. Not obviously not licensed merchandise, but still pretty cool stuff. And I mean, it's just, it all depends. If you want to spend 20 bucks more than you have to, to get a t-shirt, I guess you can go for that. <laughs> if that's, if that's your fancy. Oh, fanatics. It's where Snossus was born. Did you see the, the, the mock commercial? Of yes. It? Oh, my oh yes. gosh. That thing was hilarious. It perfectly. I was what I watched it. So pretty much long story short for those that at home that may not understand what I'm talking about. There's the fanatics commercial with, I, I don't know if doc Emmerich still does it, but like on fanatics.com, get your awesome. And it's like people like crazy loud music in the background and people like flashing shirts and stuff like that. Official angel merch. They do it for like all the sports leagues, but NHL too. And it was a guy with a voiceover. Do you want overpaid stuff that's not even right? And like, and they were showing like pictures of like, misspelled names and logos hanging off and just this awful <laughs> representation of fanatics it and Peyton, if you know you see it, it it's hilarious because it's true this is not like someone just making fun of a company oh this is not an snl skit this is reality oh yeah my dear friend slash arch nemesis john jensen got a a preds winter classic jersey last year that was fanatics and the logo and and his his lettering, he got the heat press. It's already coming off. Like it, it came up, sorry, coming off within weeks of him having the Jersey, maybe even days. Gosh, that, that, that's horrible. I, I don't get it. How can you be so bad for just <sighs> Danny Chell has got to do better. And I've had, I mean, if there's, I mean, if we wanted to go into that, that's a different show for you. That's a laundry list of things. How can Angel be better on the, on the topics of like Angel department of player safety, re revamping fanatics, the trapezoid rule, and I mean, there's so many other things. Just get rid of the red line. I have so many different things. That could be an entire show. What the NHL needs to change. That'll be the title of it. It'll be a five-hour you show. Uh, you'd be talking for a while, but then again, uh, you know, you're you're a fit for that. <laughs> I will say this: I am impressed because I did five games over the last three days, Peyton, and I am shocked that I didn't run out of breath. I was afraid that I was going to be like, because usually my first game of the year, I'm like my chest's like congested because I'm run, I'm talking so fast. But I calmed down my, this is my, like my second week, if you will, but I was able to calm down and slow the, slow the pace down. And I was able to make sure I got through it and it was interesting, but I was able to make it through. I'm getting in the swing of things. And before you know it, the season will be over. It's going to be awesome. You were, uh, you were making up for lost time this weekend. Oh man. I got to, man. Got to, we have been chatting with Peyton Turnage. Unfortunately, we're running out of time here today. Peyton, thanks for coming on for the six. We'll say sixth time just for the, just for the record. I'm pretty sure it, it could be. For all we know, it could be like 12th time we've probably been on the show. I've lost count, though. But, but it feels like the first time, buddy. <laughs> oh, man. Aren't you? It feels like the first time. Do, do. Yeah, I'm not. Okay. If I start singing Foreigner anymore, I think we're going to have to end the show. Peyton, thanks again for coming on, man. We'll chat with you soon. Thank you all for joining us here on 12 Ounce Sports today. Remember, if you can't watch the entire episode, if you weren't able with us live today, that's okay. Make sure you check out the replay tomorrow on the YouTube channel and your favorite podcatcher. Peyton, we'll chat with you once again. Hopefully the Predators are, well, better, or at least rebuilding and accepting that they're not better, and things will look better soon in Smashville. Someday, right? Hopefully we have a new GM and coach by then. Oh, man, hopefully. We can all hope for better days, and that's what we hope for on The Kula Show. We will see you all next time. Use the hashtag TKS when you talk about this show at The Kula Show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Peyton Turnage at Peyton underscore Turnage on Twitter. El Patron on Instagram. Peyton, you have a good one, and you all have a good one as well for watching The Kuehl Show here on 12 Ounce Sports.